and welcome to RPG Digest. In this live stream formatted podcast, we discuss tabletop role-playing games and comment on the hobby and the weirdos in the hobby as a whole. I am John Maxley Auschlo, your favorite, most cherished, mistaken, uh, identity-stealing, bully, whatever the hell else I was called this week, uh, curmudgeon, critic, and judge executioner. I want to be executioner. Along with me today is the doppelganger of Heathen Dog. You won't even notice a difference because Heathen Dog is not here today. But I have to explain that to you because you're going to think he's right here next to me. We have from Unscripted and Unchained RPG Reviews, DM Bloodworth. Ah! How you doing today? Noon, everyone. How, how's everyone doing? We we oh. both have glasses, so that's that's the there one you. part of the doppelganging that I got right. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I'm happy to have you here. Thank you very much. It's going to be fun uh, talking about castles and crusades and whatever shenanigans we get into in uh, in segment number two. But uh, I always ask Heathen Dogs, I've got to ask you, how was your week? Uh, my week was actually a very good week. Uh, you know, another week of gaming, another work of, uh, you know, another week of uh, getting to the next weekend. So it's always great, you know, when you're when your job allows you to get to the next weekend uh, before it kills you. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's that's how I start rating things now is like, do I get to the weekend, you know, through this work week? So, um, you know, so that's that's all that matters. And uh, looking forward to uh, a nice holiday break, which is coming up in about two and a half weeks. No, so, yeah, I'm, I'm on the last week of my break. Actually, I technically yeah. go back to work on Friday. I'm hoping they let me telework, but if not, well, then they don't. Uh, but yeah, I've had basically a month off. It's all user lose stuff. Like I had to use it or I'm done. And I still have hundreds. I've got weeks of vacation that I could take. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, yes. So otherwise, gonna... it was a great week. So I hope I'm sure you had the same good week. Uh, well, I, I wanted to comic. So you had a, uh, I had a kernel. That's <laughs> <laughs> that I worked for when I was uh, in the Air Force back in the day. And uh, he, he, something he said stuck with me. And it, for all the people out there who think I'm a negative person, like, oh, my God, he's so hateful and negative. He's going to die young. And, wow, mm -hmm. he taught me something. And he said it to everybody. But, you know, I, I let it soak in, which is like any day you wake up and the sun is still shining is a good day. Yeah. And I combined that comment with something Garthon said a long time ago while, while we were in the Air Force. Uh, he says, life sucks. Get a raincoat. Now, most people think that's such a negative thing to say. It's like, no, no, no. Well, the point is life is a struggle. Embrace it. Have fun. You know, this this is what like you only get one of these things. So, you know, enjoy it while you can. So I actually do enjoy my life. I'm a happy person. You know, I just take it out on you all. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And I want to thank everybody in chat. We've got Chris Black, Violent Solves Everything, Darthic. Oh, who do we else do we have? Indigo Dragon. Hello, hello, hello. I'm not going to name off everybody. Oh my God, Legion of Myth is here. Hey, Legion of Myth. Uh, <laughs> life sucks and then you die. There you go. So I want to thank the chat for being here. Really do appreciate you all. If, uh, if you want to follow DM Bloodworth, by the way, and I'll mention a couple other times, I put his link in the description because for once I actually knew beforehand who was coming on the show. <laughs> it's unusual for me. I'm like, uh, somebody's going to be here. So um, my week, my week, my week, what did I do this week? This week was such a change of pace for me because I stopped writing for a little bit because uh, I don't want to get that writer's burnout. Plus, I, I, I'm having a couple of people look over what I've been writing because if I go any further forward with my current methodology and they're like, no, this methodology isn't working, <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of wasted pages. So uh, I've got some people looking that over and then, uh, yeah, I hope to get back into writing soon. Uh, what else? What else? What else? My wife made me go out and see sunshine. Uh, what did we do? I forgot what we did. Oh, we had to buy a ladder. <laughs> so we have, we have a faulty smoke alarm in the house and I don't know what that's about. So I had to order some smoke alarms and, I've got those high ceilings because people in the South apparently like high ceilings. So I had to get a ladder. And she made me go outside. What the hell's up with that? She not know I'm a nerd. <laughs> All right. Um, trying to think anything else interesting going on. I can't think of it. Um, we're only five minutes in. We don't normally start our topics that quickly. Uh, let's get this sliding over here. So what did you think of uh, other than it was way too long? Everybody knows this. Even I know this. But you know what? It had to be done. You know, sometimes things go long, but it had to be done. And I appreciate everybody who was on there, whether the person was there at the beginning or the person came in halfway through, whatever. But uh, absolutely appreciate everybody who was on there. But what did you think about the the Friday, uh, our commentary and your stream? I um, I'm, I actually really appreciated the, the fact. And it um, it really helped me see other people critiquing you know my you know my style or or just you know my approach to talking to someone about gaming especially when i talk to someone where you know where we're almost on opposite mm -hmm. ends of the spectrum there and um to have to have other people say well you know this was kind of you know you could have done this better or you know, you sort of, you could have said this. And, and one of the things that I, that I noticed from your stream uh, or that came out of your uh, stream was uh, one of the, one of the people that was on and, oh my gosh, I'm going to keep on slipping my mind to it was uh, G-Rock. Uh, Baron G-Rock. Yep. Baron G-Rock. Baron G-Rock kicked it out of the park with what I should have said. And, and that was, if uh, and really directed at, at J. Scott Garibay, if you are such a um, a believer in the legacy of Gary Gygax, then you should be playing the games that he actually touched. And such a brilliant comment to make, one that I wish I had made, <laughs> um, because it really does. It really does diffuse everything that he was saying about you know Gary Gygax and his legacy and and how his legacy is in the Dungeons and Dragons of now no that's not the full impact of his legacy the legacy is not even 
just Dungeons and Dragons. All right. Gary Gygax changed tabletop role playing. All right. Um, he took the idea of Dave Arneson and marketed it and made it mainstream. All right. And that and and allowed it to, that allowed it to really explode into other areas. You might not have Twilight 2000 if it wasn't for what Gary Gygax did with Dungeons and Dragons. Are those I mean, of course, similar? he wants to make money for his own business, his own right. brand, and so forth. But do you actually yeah. think he would be upset? Do you think he was upset that Palladium exists? Do you think he was upset that uh, that that vampire exists? I, I don't. I can't see that he would be. Of course, he'd be like, "Hey, come to my stuff. Everybody, everybody should sell their own stuff." But uh, I can't see that he would be upset that people are playing these games in different ways. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with with different genres and so forth. Yeah, so he he was he was really his legacy is the hobby. His legacy is tabletop role playing. All right, regardless of game, regardless of genre, and and even to a certain extent, um, because many of these role playing games found their way into electronic or digital, you know, applications. And you know, would you have had um, would you have had Dragon Warrior? On on whether that's Sega or or um, I forget which one it originally came on. Whether I, I know or, I know the name of the game. Whatever. I don't I don't know it yeah. itself. Yeah, it's like it could have even been Nintendo or whatever. I know somebody will crucify me not knowing the the history of that particular <laughs> game. Um, I know it came out. How did you come days. here unprepared, not knowing we were going to talk about that, even though it's not part of it? But anyway, <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's that's really the point that I that I always try to make is is that he his legacy is the hobby. Uh, it's not just any one particular game. It's certainly not the game company that ousted him. Uh, you know, and it's it's not the, you know, it's not the, it's it's just not the current game either. Um, it's it's the games of the past, and it will be the games of the future as well. Uh, so his legacy did not die in 2008, uh, along with his death, it's going to continue on in the hobby regardless. So that's and, why. And I think a hundred years, you know, he kept talking yeah. about a hundred years from now. I think a hundred years from now, even if there is no Dungeons and Dragons, even if, even if there is no, um, Traveler, I'm trying to think of the really old ones, no Star Frontiers. Yeah. Well, I guess that was TSR, but you know, there's no, um, Tunnels and Trolls. Tunnels and Trolls. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Gary Gygax's name is still going to be synonymous with, with tabletop role-playing mm -hmm. because he was the one, for better or worse, I, I would argue, and I only argue in a nuanced sense, not in a, not in a, that it matters sense, that it's, it wasn't him. This is kind of one of the points that I was making on that stream is like, you know, there are play testers. There are people he talked to. Mm -hmm. There were, there were he, he didn't do it in a vacuum, but his name is the marketing brand. His name yep. is the one that pushed it forward. And he did. He did take that that extra effort to go forward. And therefore, his name is always going to be synonymous with tabletop role-playing. Even 100 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just that, um, you know, and, and he wouldn't, he would never even claim that he was the sole, you know, sole creator of it either. Um, you know, I, I mean... There's no way that that any one person could claim that a an entire hobby was was created by either themselves or one individual person. Um, it's just not the it, it just defies the reality of it.
I, I have no intention of trying to get yeah. into any of the minds of the people back then, Gygax or anybody else. And, and I don't study the history at all, because to be fair, I don't care. It's not that I think it's worthless. I just personally just it's not it's not something I, I care. I don't need to know what Gygax did to play a game. I've got the books and then I can you know adjust the game as I desire. It's that simple. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say. So yeah. let's move on. I do yeah. that to myself all the time now. Uh, let's move on. I had a point. I'm sure I'll remember it later. All right. Um, so moving into segment one today, let me get to my banners and... Oh, I have to... Sorry, I have to go through all this real quickly. Hey, there's RPGate, escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism and organic diversity from natural inclusion. Quickly, what that means is this is how you play and have fun when you play games. That is right. They're about escapism, no matter what HASG thinks. They are about entertainment. If you are not entertained, why the hell are you doing it? Activism is for standing outside a courthouse and waving a poster or some nonsense like that. It is not for sitting at a table. And if you start to be an activist at my table, I will activate myself right back at you. And organic diversity from natural inclusion. Hey, who cares what the religion, the politics, the uh, the sexual orientation or whatever term you're allowed to use this week about people like that? Who cares? As long as the person is obeying rule number one and rule number two of RP gate, you're going to have a great game. Just play. Just include everybody that's interested in playing the game. All right. You can find us on Discord, Locals, Redbubble. I actually, uh, I went through my email and I found out I've sold a few products. I made a total of $15, just so everybody knows. If you're one of the people that bought stuff, first of all, thank you very much. But I only get like a dollar, so actually between 50 cents and a dollar of every product that's sold. So uh, I made like $15. Yay! <laughs> but I do appreciate it. Let's get that name out there. And did you guys see GM Bloodworth's shirt? Huh? Huh? Look at that. Representing. <laughs> Yes, I, I I had to dig into my collection and and find it. I was like, there it is, you know. I actually I actually forgot it was was a very dark blue. And I'm going through black shirt, black shirt, black shirt. I was like, it, it's got to be in here somewhere, you know. And then I came across it. So yeah, I well, felt it would be appropriate to wear today. Ooh, thank you for that. And then we've got our website Odyssey. I don't have Odyssey up. I, I really have got to get onto Odyssey. So if you are actually watching on Odyssey, I I appreciate that more than it seems. I, I really do. I just don't keep it up anymore because I can't do popping out chat and so forth. Uh, thank you, Crafty. Crafty with the donation. Thank you. Check the message on that donation. I have to get the link for it. Dang it. <laughs> Sounds like I can't click it. I can't click that right there. Um, hold on. He says I have to read the link, so we will do that. It is, uh, what is it? Streamlabs.com. Here we go. After he says, why won't the page fully load? It just says Crafty Matt Craft. Uh, back to this. If I can't find it quickly, I'll let you type it in a chat. I, yeah, for some reason, I can't, I can't see it. It says you donated, but I can't see the... Uh, what's this? Uh, I might be too stupid to see it. I don't know. But I can't see it, Crafty. I'm sorry. I, I do see the donation. I do appreciate that, but I can't see it. So I'm going to move on here. If you want to put it in the chat there, or if, if you can spam me a link on Discord, I will, uh, I'll, I'll click to it. That's weird, because I've been able to do it before. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, crap. 
somebody donates money, I need to give them the benefit of the doubt and show it's on the screen. So if you're bored, I'm sorry, but uh, people who donate, that, that has to be appreciated. So give me just one moment here. It's in Twitch that we'll see it, right? Let me see. Uh, if let me see if I just see it um, in the live chat. <laughs> okay, that is funny. Oh, I see why I couldn't see it. It actually said I wasn't logged in. Why did it show my little Legion Myth logo at the top there? Yeah, I can't log into Streamlabs right now without going through Authy and all that other nonsense. So uh, thank you for putting that on the screen. I will put that on the screen here because that is funny. There we go. Thank you very much for the donation again, Crafty. In a hundred years, no one will remember Legion of Myth, but they will remember the St. Gygax Church of JSG. <laughs> yes. All hail the JSG Gygax. Is JSG short for Jesus Saves Gygax? I don't know. Get back to my pictures. We have gatekeepers. Once again, I have no clue who's hosting it. I think I'm supposed to host it this week or so. I think somebody told me to do it. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, but hey, we're going to have gatekeepers sometime this week. Uh, this week it's on Tuesday? Yeah, I think it's on Tuesday at 7.30. So somebody somewhere is going to be hosting gatekeepers. <laughs> uh, and of course, I want to thank our monetary backers, which we've already gotten some, some bits and some uh, subscriptions. So, not subscription, donations. Thank you very much. If you want to donate to us, you can give us some cheers on Twitch. You can give us some super chats. By the way, the, man, the, the amount of money that YouTube and Twi uh, Twitch take from you, if you want the best bang for your buck, uh, scroll on down there and look at that PayPal. That PayPal link is whatever PayPal takes. It's a small percentage, you know, because everything has to take a percentage of something. But that's that's where that's where it's at. That's right. I ended my sentence with a preposition just for emphasis. And we want to thank our followers and our subscribers and our chatters and lurkers. Chatter it chatter. Wow. Chat is moving pretty quickly today. I like it. And if you don't want to give money to us, you can give money to the Wounded Warrior Project. They, every time or well, not every time you do, but every time they get some money in Leadership Myth's name, I get some cool cup like this. And it is the holiday time, and there are soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines, guardians, whatever the hell else, reservists, so forth out there, who have sacrificed a lot for you, me, and the American way. That's right. They are the supermen. And uh, if you want to donate to a uh, worthwhile charity, donate to the Wounded Warrior Project. And we have our 3,000 subscriber giveaway. That will happen, well, once we hit 3,000 subscribers. And we are moving up. Moving up in the world on this one. I know it seems like we've been talking about this for a while. That's because I always start these things really early to get people excited. But uh, we have these five books, and there's at least one gift card that's going to go in there. If you are an American citizen or you have an American address that includes APO and FBO, you are eligible for this uh, giveaway. If not, you're still going to be eligible for the gift card because, you know, I want to respect our international folks as well. I just can't justify sending a you know hardcover book to... Pakistan. And of course, half full super chat. It's not just super chats. Half of the money we get goes to uh <laughs> goes to subscriber giveaway. Whew, all that's done. Now, now I can stop wasting DM Bloodverse time and get the stuff on the screen I need to. All right, for segment one today. DM Bloodworth, not Heathen Dog, because Heathen Dog was too scared to fight. He is scared of combat. <laughs> DM Bloodworth and I are going to talk about castles and crusades. Get it up on the screen here. Bam. Uh, can't share the screen when I keep the banner up. But 
Remember, RPG Digest is a live stream podcast discussion, not a concise step-by-step tutorial. We may deviate and go off topic and onto tangents because I love to tangent. Enjoy. And here are the links. You know, it's funny. I just went through this stuff for the stream people. They don't want to see this again. <laughs> Maybe I should just wait till segment one to go through this stuff. Hey, 3,000 subscriber giveaway. We are ever increasing towards that. Those five hardcover books will be given away to some American address, and we will do gift cards for our international friends. And yeah, friends. Because you're all friends. If you're here, you're a friend. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Whew. How much experience do you have with Castles and Crusades, Sir DM Bloodworth? Zero. <laughs> awesome. Just just picked up a couple um you know a couple uh books about two months ago okay. and just haven't gotten around to uh digging into them yet uh looking forward to it but okay. uh you know i, I don't want to you know i want to give a full disclaimer all right i know nothing about it i am viewing this for the first time through your presentation so i'm looking forward awesome to it. well here's what i can tell you Generally, in the most generic sense, because apparently we have to have 7,000 disclaimers to put any facts out there now. In the most generic sense, if you roll higher than a 12 on a primary skill, you succeed. If you're on 18 or higher on a secondary skill, you succeed. That's, that's the general way that the dice rolling works. Nice and simple. Add in your levels, add in some bonuses, and there you go. Uh, I like this system. I really do. Today we're going to be talking about combat. Now, with the Heathen Dog not here, and this is not, it's going to sound accusatory, but it isn't meant to be, uh, we're probably going to breeze through this a bit quicker. I'm not going to read every paragraph and so forth. It's just that when Heathen Dog and I, we, we've got this kind of routine going on where it's like, we, we like to make sure we don't miss something. I don't care if I miss anything. You got the gist of the game from uh, reading the stuff in the past or hearing what we said in the past. So we're going to kind of go through this a little bit. We've already talked about the skill system. We've already talked about magic. We've talked about the important stuff. So now we're just going to kind of go through combat. And I'm going to do some of the reading here. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to you know, prove to me you're still awake, uh, DM Bloodridge, just jump in at any time. Okay. So much of the excitement of playing Castles and Crusades occurs during the character's combat with monsters. I mean, come on, they're role-playing games. People want to, you know, kill orcs and kick indoors and get the loot, right? Whether a knight battling a horde of bloodthirsty orcs, see, he knows, they're all bloodthirsty. I'm sure that's racist to somebody. A rogue facing off with a nefarious pirate or a cleric turning a vampire. Combat is often the climax hit of many role-playing sessions. Combat is also the nexus, ooh, the nexus of many rules in castles and crusades. And that's just a typical trope of an RPG because combat is so prevalent in RPG, most of the rules pretty much start with combat and then branch out. It's got to be the core. All right, to facilitate this, the rules for combat have been kept as simple as possible. With maneuver room left for the castle keeper, I love that. Rulings over rules. Rulings over rules. Rulings over rules. But it has to have a framework. Rules are designed to organize the action of combat. Yet, as the essence of combat is its narrative, ooh, ooh those fight words, some people. <laughs> they can also enable the castle keeper to manipulate the rules in support of the narrative. Oh, God. Trigger warning! I should have put a trigger warning out there for everybody. Robert Rasputin, I've... I, hold, hold on a second. I know! Asshole. <laughs> uh, he's always messing with me. I love it. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because it, it, my wife was like, why do you watch the Vikings games? Because every time you turn them on, they start to lose. Just don't watch them. Watch them after the fact and they'll win for you. I'm like, I can't help it. They're my Vikings. It's the one thing I've left from Minnesota. Uh... So, so what, they're, what they're saying here is that combat can lead to telling a story. What? <laughs> I need to have a big trigger warning stamp that goes across the screen. <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I can do it this way. Can I do it this way or would I change everything? I right, screwed. I'm not gonna try. I was gonna put up the gatekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> All right. So when a combat occurs, each participant will take will want to take action. Unless you're me in my last Starfinder game that I played where I didn't get involved in any fight at all, because I wanted to prove to them that it was unnecessary. And I succeeded. And they got mad at me. Yes, Chris Black. Nice. Uh, this must, uh, sorry, the most common action will be an attack on a foe, but might also include, for example, drinking a potion or casting a spell. To facilitate when a character or monster can act, combat is broken into a series of time measurements called rounds. Each participant in combat generally gets one action each combat round. All right, pretty simple right there. Combat round comes up, you roll some initiative, you get your combat or you get your action, and then uh, we press on, right? Each participant acts during the round in an order established by the roll of a D10. All right, second edition people, that's a thumbs up. <laughs> this is called initiative. The character with the highest initiative acts first. All right, so higher is better. Good. And each character in turn performs an action until the last character with the lowest initiative roll has acted. Like that. All right. Uh, here's a sample combat round. All right, let's take a look at this. Example. Let's just go skip right to the example. A Angthar? Is that his name? Angthar? Yeah. Angthar, fifth level barbarian with 14 strength, attacks a goblin with his battle axe. Alright, he's gonna cleave that goblin in two, I foresee. The player rolls a d20 and the result is a 12. Angthar adds his basic attack bonus, so now we have to figure out where that basic attack bonus comes from, which I don't know yet. And a strength bonus, which we talked about attributes, uh, like, what, three episodes ago? to get a total of attack roll of 17. Nice and easy. Easy peasy. You don't have to think about ups and downs and lefts and rights. It's just 12 plus your bonus plus uh, your strength. Move on. Have a nice day. 17. The goblin's scaly hide imparts an armor class of 12. Angthar's attack roll of 17 exceeds the 12. Thus, he hits. It's just D&D &D fans. This looks very familiar to you. Non-D&D &D fans, well, look how simple this is. Roll above the number you hit. Actually, equal to or above the number you hit. Mm-hmm. The battle axe then inflicts a d8 hit points of damage, rolls a d8, adds the strength bonus to the roll. So he rolls a 6 for a total of a 7 because he has a plus 1 strength bonus, and the goblin only had 4 hit points. I was correct. He chopped that goblin in half. Rawr! And now his axe is bloody. Right. Now, if Angthar had only inflicted 2 points of damage, the goblin would have survived the attack, and it would have got to attack back. I think anybody who's played role-playing games understands that. And if you don't understand that, then my suggestion for you is buy Castles and Crusades 8th printing and read the rules for more clarity. Let's, so let's check out these combat terms. This has been a pet peeve of mine, and it's not this game. I, I'm suffering through this right now with the Palladium stuff. And it's a pet peeve as a personal preference, not as in Max is complaining about bad writing again. I don't like when combat terms are separated from the game terms. Just mix them all together at the beginning of the book. Then I know that there's one place to look for terms. Personal preference. It's just like some people like character creation at the beginning of the book. Some people like the rules and the character creation to follow. I get it. I'm just saying that is my preference. Do you have a preference on that or does it not matter to you at all? 
Um, yeah, I prefer it in both, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. You know, um, they, they should have a glossary of terms at the at the back of the book uh, for okay. with page numbers. Uh, that's always that's always helpful. I hate when they have it in there. It's like, well, let me see how, what, what context they're using it in. Uh, so that they should have that combat, you know, combination of index and glossary, okay. uh, which is always nice. Uh, I, I, I will take that. that for consideration yeah. when I write my book. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a really you know nice thing to have because it, it it's just a pain to to look up. You know, all right, I want to know what a word means. I'm looking at it. I found it. Now let me see how it's actually being used. Mm -hmm. Context through the whole thing, you know, to find uh, all right. Here it is. So I can see there's there's benefit to having it broken down into its subcategories and and just kind of refreshing or going into the greater detail uh, in this portion as well. So, you know, so something just just entered my my noodle right here, and I remember a debate. Oh, this must have been twenty years ago. I, I think I was just out of the Air Force. We were playing third edition D and D, and this kind of goes back to the segment last week, and this whole idea we're going to talk in segment two today at some point about context. Games have the right to change the context of a word to fit the game. Mm -hmm. Let's just use an example that we all use and nobody complains about except for the, the strongest of the weirdos. Dexterity and agility are two different things. Mm -hmm. but, when you, but when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you make a dex check to do agility checks. Nobody cares. I, I, like, but that's the wrong term. You shouldn't do it. It's not actually dexterity. It's agility. Because dexterity is finger nimbleness. Mm -hmm. agility is your 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 balance your reflex your, uh, and so forth but for simplicity's sake they roll it into one and nobody cares so if a game says that uh that armor class means something there's no reason to go in and parse it and what's funny is now that you're saying that i'm starting to think that heathen dog's uh a complaint about the illusionist while i understand where he's coming from he he had the needle of me moving a little bit more towards his side i think it's moving back a little bit because games do that all the time. They make their own context. And using what DM Bloodworth said is, if especially if that context changes, nobody should have to go to a dictionary to figure out what the word means. If I change the context, if I decide to say, now this would be stupid, but if I decide to say that bonuses give, give minuses and, and, uh, and uh, penalties give uh, pluses, I mean, there is a construct where that could happen. But still, if I want to say positives, negative, negatives, positive, as long as I define it here, I'm allowed to do that. That would be absolutely asinine. Mm -hmm. But but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a glossary of terms, always welcome for modules, have a pronunciation guide. Oh, my God. If there's one book that needs a pronunciation guide is the game Shard, the Shard RPG, because the person was so enamored with his own world that he's got all these weird words and so forth in there, and I couldn't follow the story anymore. Like, the, the, his his actual narrative for his world, I couldn't follow it. All right. Uh, so we got armor class. We already kind of talked about that a little bit in that example. Attacker, bonus to hit. Combat rounds, about 10 seconds of time. That's important. We have combat maneuvers. This is something I like to see. Uh, I like it when people define a special type of attack as a combat maneuver instead of just throwing in 59 different roles that you have to dig through. But if you have like a combat maneuver section or what is it in Earth on? A combat options? Drink? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I like when when it's kind of categorized under that because then it's quick and easy. Forbidden Lands does the same thing. Hit dice. This term has dual meanings. We're going to read this one because this is one thing that when I used to play Dungeons and Dragons many moons ago, I always screwed up. I screwed up hit dice and hit points. 
even though, well, hit dice and level, really, they're kind of the same thing. The term has dual meanings. First, it indicates what type of die is rolled to determine a character or monster's hit points. For example, a wizard gains a d4 hit points for each level earned. Second, it indicates the level and thus, see, there you go. It indicates the level and thus the number type of dice rolled. So fifth level fighter will 5d10, right? A monster may have 5d8. That'd be a five hit die monster. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that, that used to weird me out when I was, I don't know. When I was young and ignorant, some would say I still am. And then surprise. Now this is, we're going to read about this in just a second. So forget it. I'm not even going to talk about surprise. Why? Because we have surprise right here. Before combat begins, the castle keeper determines if one or the other party if one or the other party is surprised surprise is a situation in which the adventuring party happens upon monsters and neither is aware or expects the other i'm reading that slowly uh one so that we can digest it a little bit better because i was told i talked too fast uh but also because i'm trying to visualize it as i'm reading it so i can explain it correctly surprise establishes who becomes aware first the group that successfully surprises the other gains a free combat round in which to act. Wow, that is a great sentence, by the way. This is how you write a technical manual. I love it. Mm-hmm. Those that are surprised get no action. So you understand that. Mm-hmm. I get to attack. Well, DM Bloodworth, because, you know, he's the guest. He wins surprise. He gets to attack me, and I get to stand there like a lump on the log. After the surprise round, combat proceeds normally. So with the initiative rolls and so forth. So far, I haven't seen anything about rolling surprise, but maybe that'll come up in a moment here. Surprise may involve a situation where two characters or groups are unaware of each other, or the situation where one group is attempting to surprise another, an ambush, so to speak. I already did drink. (laughs) Dad Crafty, I already drank. Before any surprise roll is made, the castle keeper must determine if surprise is possible. A group that is aware of another's presence cannot be surprised. Well, that's pretty simple. Very, very clear in paragraph format, but the, I'm reading this like a bullet formatted paragraph. This is good. Situations often arise in which one group is not able to surprise another, such as if they have to pass over a hallway strewn with dead leaves that crack and pop when stepped on. Great, great visual. Mm-hmm. Thus warning the inhabitants of the room down the hallway. This is one of those things that I've always struggled with doing dungeons. I think you and I talked about this maybe once or twice or five times in the past where one of the things I struggle with uh, like dungeon adventures is like when you're clanking around in your chain and plate mail armor and blowing fireballs off everywhere, how does the rest of the dungeon not just come out after you? <laughs> like I heard a big boom on the floor up above. I'm not going to check it out. I'm just going to stay here and keep doing my business. Like You served always- in the military, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay touche touche it's like ah, good enough for government work wait 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 no i didn't serve in the military i served in the air force we'd be smart enough to run right. boom i'm not staying here for that i'm out go get the army to check that out <laughs> but yeah okay good point uh okay they're having a conversation a chat I, I do like watching the chat move keep having conversations with each other even those instances in which surprise is possible, there's always a chance something could go awry and the surprise fails to occur. If a part, oh, okay, so maybe we start to get to dice rolls now. If a party can be surprised, a wisdom attribute check is made by the individual. That's, yeah, that's the right check to roll. Uh, by the individual group with the best chance of succeeding at it. So only one person rolls, none of this. Well, he failed, can I try to? Now, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> I was wrong. 
<laughs> or by each member of the group individually. I don't like that. No, I, I honestly, I don't like that. I like the first part. Because when you have like 17 chances, okay, there are only five people in the group. When you have all those chances, you may as well just say you succeeded. Thoughts? I, I personally liked it before they got to the roles. I mean, mm. just use your use your common sense, you know, which side would have had, you know, a better, you know, a better chance of being surprised. And the the keeper just goes with that. You know, so what I think um, this might be trying to emulate though is the Han Solo stepping on the stick thing. He had yeah. but then Yeah, I, I do like if you are going to roll, I love the fact that they tie it to wisdom. Mm. Um, because uh, it's just how experienced are you as an adventurer, you know, kind of be trying to be aware of your surroundings and and using all of your your sensory um you know ability. And that's a that's a wisdom check. So it, it's a very, very good uh, a tribute to tie it to so i would go with either or i would do party surprise not individual um yeah same here yeah and, and for the people out there like that's not realistic remember this is a game it's not a life simulator at some point you need to keep the play moving uh i i as somebody who loves initiative and i don't believe initiative slows down a game i mean i guess factually you could say i'm wrong because it takes time for people to roll dice but i don't believe it takes people out of the game that's just my take on it um at the same time if you're rolling for everything 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 or, or like i said what i have actually run into is like roll surprise okay you failed wait a minute, i want to roll surprise too because i no, no no just roll the one surprise now we're moving on and especially when you do it this way and this is what forbidden lands does too with a lot of things it's the character with the best chance so if the character with the best chance can't do it you can't do it mm -hmm. all right so if the check is successful the party or individual is not surprised Failure indicates surprise. All right. And I know that we're going through this one uh, more in-depthly than I want to do the rest of the chapter, but this is this surprise is one of those parts of the game that I see a lot of people having problems with. I'm not saying do it wrong. I'm saying don't necessarily understand how it's supposed to work. And sometimes I even fall in that category. Different games do it differently. and But surprise has such a meaningful impact on a lot of games. Some games, if you don't win surprise, somebody's going to die. I mean, combat is that bloody. So, yeah. and I can tell you in the game that I'm writing, my actual game, my real game, game number one, we'll call it, that is that is a fact. If you don't have some sort of surprise, or let me phrase it, if you do have some sort of surprise, I don't want to say you're guaranteed to win, but you definitely have the upper hand. If it's a 50-50 fight and you have surprise, you've pretty much, barring some really horrible dice rolls. And it's intentional, because combat is a scrum. Combat is uh, difficult. It's something you, you don't come out of unscathed. But back to castles and crusades. When two separate parties could be surprised if both groups or individuals in the groups must make the wisdom check. If both groups fail the check, they're both surprised and nothing occurs as they stare at one another for a moment in stunned silence. Yes. And I really get irked when characters are like, I wouldn't just stand there. Yes, you would. I've seen people do it. I've done it myself. Where you're like, whoa. There you go. Doesn't have doesn't necessarily mean it has to be for 10 seconds. You haven't started rounds yet. Just means that for a second, well, what is that? Your brain is trying to digest what is going on. Is that the enemy? Is that is that a friend? Is that something different? Do I attack it with a sword or is it going to eat my sword and then swallow me whole afterward? Whatever. No. Um, you know, it's just as somebody who's been in the military, I've seen it happen. Let's just put it that way. Every deer who has ever been, who's ever gotten hit by a car failed at surprise check. 
(laughs) To be fair, they have penalties, but yes. I, oh, okay, sorry. I I think they're still talking in chat. Not to me. Good. Uh, Group is easier, but I like uh, situations where one member of the party is not surprised and has a chance to avert disaster. Uh, I mean, I can see it. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, how you play at your table is how you play at your table. I mean, uh, I'm not here to judge that, but depends on how big a group is. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. If I'd... you have two or three, if you only have two or three players, then fine. You can get much more micro um, decision making, you know, yeah. and in those situations. But if you have nine players. You're you're not doing individual surprise checks. Okay. Uh, the chance for surprise can be mitigated by many circumstances. A party is well hidden or camouflaged, so basically waiting in ambush. Uh, uh, the castle keeper may decide to penalize the wisdom check for orcs, or just say you surprise the orcs. All right, returning to the example, we're not going to do the example. I think you guys get it from there. Initiative, we already talked about. It is a D10. Now, there's one exception to initiative. When a creature uses a weapon with a reach greater than 10 feet against an opponent with a weapon of less than a 6-foot reach, or when a large creature is fighting a medium or smaller-sized creature, in the first round only, and I'm seeing this in a lot of games, I don't know if this is true of old D&D games, but I'm starting to see this in more and more games. I'd actually have to look it up. I don't even remember for second edition, because I do initiative just a touch different anyway. Um, If this is true... Uh, maybe Dan Bloodworth remembers. I'm not sure because you run a first edition campaign. This isn't true in D&D, is it? Where in the first round, a creature with longer reach gets a um, pretty much gets to attack first, right? That's when you get into, uh, and I don't know anybody that actually uses that. When it, that's like gets into like weapon speed and um, and weapon differentials, and I don't think very many. Uh, I I personally don't use it. Um, so and do you use spell casting time? Oh yeah. Yeah, like I use spell casting time when when you have when you have competing spells being cast, you know, and then I see well who would who would actually have whose spell would go off faster. And um I I have spell casting time uh just came up in my in my campaign last Monday where the um the druid that the player characters were getting ready to fight started doing his call lightning six rounds before he made his presence known and uh, he still needed another four rounds to, you know, pull off the spell. If he waited, uh, he would have had a, a, you know, much better effect of, of being able to cast it on time uh, on top of them before they, they were aware of him. Uh, instead, he started getting pelted by arrows from the ranger um, because he was a dumbass and he basically, you know, stepped up and, uh, and revealed himself too soon. So, um, yeah, spell, spell casting, I will, if I have competing magic users, okay. um, c- certainly use that, that spell speed to come. So, so I, I use it in second edition. I use web, um, speed factor in second edition because I use spell casting times also. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take out spell casting times and it sounds like for the most part you do, you just do it in the, in the competing sense, then yeah. I can see not having a weapon speed, but it's, you know, to me, it's that it gives that wizard that one last little chance of somebody with a two handed sword swinging really, I'm going to get yeah. this thing on you and you go magic missile or sleep, you know? Um, so I, I can see the point of it, but I, um, 
for some people that's too much math i guess that's all i would say is like if you're using if you're using spell casting time use speed factor if you're not using spell casting time well then why would you screw the fighters <laughs> make them have speed factor well it's also when you have simultaneous initiative you're going to adopt other rules as well sure yep. um but this is anyway oh did you i thought you froze for a second no no, no. yeah no sorry <laughs> This right here is a uh, is something I've been seeing in more and more games, and I like it. In the first round, if you've got if you're a large creature versus something small, or if you've got a really long weapon, so some long pole arm that's made to keep people at bay, that's the whole point of it. In the first round, you get initiative. It's you know, but it's only for the first round. And this rule only applies the creature with the shorter reach or smaller creature approaches within 10 feet. Of course, you got to be within the weapon range. Such action counts as the action for that round for the large creature. So it isn't an extra attack. It just says, I go first because I've been waiting for you. Mm -hmm. Combat actions. You can attack. You can cast a spell. That is considered a combat action. You can move. Well, how far can you move? Well, if no other action is taken, a character or monster can walk a distance equal to his full... Oh, now we went back to bad English. Equal to his full movement rate. Full movement also includes jogging and running. You can use an ability. A uh, character or monster may perform one class or racial ability each round. Some abilities like spells take more than one round to complete, and that would be obviously in the spell description. Some monsters... Oh, sorry. Thought you were gonna say something. Uh, some monsters can perform more than one ability per round, uh, so uh, keep that in mind. Abilities may involve movement, but in most cases, the movement will not exceed the normal movement rate. Otherwise, Castle Keeper retain. I love this. Castle Keeper retains discretion as to whether any ability use involves movement. Or, hey man, you're too busy trying to you know get that sling going. Uh, 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 you know, so I'm going to let you have half movement. Rulings over rules. And sometimes you might not like it. Most castle keepers or dungeon masters or game masters or storytellers, oh my, uh, you know, they, they are reasonable and fair. You can use an item. Now, what about non-lethal and multiple actions? Well, no matter the type of action attempted, it is up to the castle keeper to adjudicate how long an action takes and whether it can be performed in a single round. That. There you go. Most actions occur in a single round, or if they take longer, the rules for specific actions usually detail how many rounds the action takes to complete. Uh, violence solves everything here. I, I, a lot of people have played Hackmaster, and I haven't. That's one of the old older games that I actually never got uh, got into. All right. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. No, wherever uh, the castle keeper may allow more than one action per round under special circumstances. For example, a character's a haste spell. Also, some non-combat actions a character may uh, might take. Well, wow. Also, some non-combat actions a character may take might not consume a full round. The latter aspect is important. And castle keepers must use common sense and reason, not player complaining. <laughs> uh, if the action takes a full round. Because every character thinks they, thinks they can do something quicker than they probably can. And I just use bad English. Drawing a sword would not take a full round. Tossing someone an item may not take a full round as a rule of thumb. Simply think of how long such an action would take in real life. But don't think long on it. Just make a ruling. And if the player or, you know, if you have to err, err on the side of the player or the character, I should say, in that case, 
because they are supposed to be somewhat heroic. And if you feel like you made a mistake later, just say, hey, I think I made a mistake on that one going forward. It's not going to work that way. But, uh, you know, that, that's my opinion. If you've got to juggle like, eh, eh. Um, do, do you uh, tend to lean towards the characters or do you try to lean towards realism or rules or screw the players? <laughs> I never I never try to school, you know, screw the players. What kind of dungeon I, master I actually, are you? <laughs> I, I, I am I am not an evil DM. I um, I, I actually I, I just said this the other night when, when I when I'm rolling damage dice against my players, you know, against their characters, I should say. And I roll the maximum. It like pains me. I'm like, you know, but it still stays what it is. You know, it's like, it's like, ah, you know, I, I, you know, you got critically hit, you know, and you just took 16 points of damage and it is what it is, you know? Um, but, uh, when but somebody like, Hey, I want to dig, I need to dig in my pack and, and find my potion. Right, yeah. I'm, but I'm, I also want to tumble still, you know, if they, if they can, if, if they can make it sound somewhat reasonable to happen in a heroic fantasy, yeah, I, I'd allow it. Okay. Um, you know, my my magic user, uh, my magic user fighter uh, in the group, he wanted to teleport ahead of a group of hobgoblins, um, okay. and you know, plop down by himself. Well, actually, he was he was piggybacking the the halfling who, who he could carry on his back during this maneuver. And he re fully realized that, you know, they were going to be far separated from the rest of the party and dropping down just the two of them into a party of eight fleeing uh, hobgoblins. And I allowed him to do it. And he dropped down. And luckily for them, they, they had surprise. And he was able to, um, I gave him, I gave him a bonus for surprise considering you know, the hobgoblins would have never expected anybody to just boop right in front of them and uh, allowed him to make his, uh, he cast a sleep spell, which put four of them to sleep right away. And uh, the other four, they just engaged by themselves. And uh, then the rest of the party came in. So all of that action was obviously, we weren't rolling every, you know, step of the way. It was just does this sound something that would be reasonable for a very heroic minded character uh, to be able to pull off? And, and so that's how it kind of played out and uh, worked really well. So yeah, anytime the, the game master is utilizing his or her discretion, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's better than a game rule. As, uh, as long as it's consistent. Yeah. As long as it's consistent and, uh, as long as you're in the rest of your your rulings, like when you're rolling dice, I think dice are, you know, the dice roll is the dice roll. Uh, and I kind of, you know, stick to what the dice say is what the dice say. They're the only uh, completely unbiased arbiter of what occurs. Um, so that's where I go with that. Um, not to answer this chat, but your other chat, yeah. uh, Chris Black, I'm going to be real quick about this. The word or... Changes what, what you uh, put in your previous comment. <laughs> All right. So, um, <clears throat> where are we here? Yeah. Uh, I like Chris Black's uh, thing. <laughs> right, I know, right? Oh, unrealistic. Every hobgoblin will expect that, yes. <laughs> exactly. If they didn't kill them all, they would. They would have learned that for, you know, for the future. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I like like almost all the chats that, that happen or comments that happen. Chats, comments, whatever. Who cares? Um, but uh, yeah, we have we have some good chatters here. Where was I? Oh, movement. So once initiative survives determined, each character or monster involved in combat is allowed an action. One allowed action is movement. Movement, like the combat round, is an abstraction. All right, so it's an abstraction. Movement can be increased by jogging, double the movement rate, or running, quadruple the movement rate. Drop all fractions to a minimum of one foot. That, that see, that gets petty. I'm glad it's in a rule book. This is this is not a problem with the rule book. I really get annoyed when players do this stuff. I can actually eke out six more inches. Shut up, you're right there. <laughs> like you know, even even a sprinter, you know, might be three inches different on one sprint than another sprint. You know. So, uh, but in, in a rule book, because again, it's based on miniature wargaming at some point, we still have those traditions in there, so I, I get why that's in there. To translate the movement rate in inches, hexes, or squares, well, really, hexes, everything else is wrong. That's right, I said wrong, because I am the authority on this stuff. Me, and only me, always hexes, to fight the movement rate by five. Uh, I love the internet trolls that come out there and accuse me of all types of stuff, because I'm just going to meme it all now. <laughs> I am going to put out bad information just to piss off everybody now. Uh, an attacker can move one half. Oh, an attacker can move one half his movement rate and still attack. See, one half. No attack is allowed if a character exceeds one half his movement rate. Okay, so there you go. Nice and simple. And I, I didn't read this beforehand, but I kind of assumed that's what the rule would be because that's what a lot of games do. So obviously, I've already been violent. What? Violated? Violated by what? What I miss? I missed something. I didn't violate anybody. Um, yet. Uh, the only exception to this rule is when a charge is attempted. And well, let's read about charge then. Charging is a special movement-based combat maneuver. A successful charge attack results in a plus two to the damage inflicted. All right, let's check out this example. Examples usually work the best. Una the elf announces that she is going to charge an orc standing across the battlefield. That evil orc. That's right. Elves kill orcs. That's what she's supposed to do. Una's base movement uh, is 30 feet, and thus her jogging rate is 60 feet. As long as the orc is at least 30 feet away, but no more than 60, Una may attempt the charge maneuver. When charging, the attack suffers a minus four penalty to armor class for the combat round. This penalty applies. Okay. I want to say this again. The attacker suffers that because she's focused on the charge when the orc goes to try to reciprocate and attack her, if the orc is even able to, she will have a minus four to her armor class. The penalty applies even if the charge attack is not successful. Well, it's just by virtue of doing that. Okay. The penalty also applies to the defender attacks first due to size or weapon length. So that could be scary if, you know, if somebody's setting against a charge. I mean, that's a co uh, common maneuver in especially cavalry type games set against that charge. Oops, can't see. There we go. Set against that charge. Um, and that automatically does double damage when it, when it is, does hit, too. So it's a dangerous thing to be charging into a set spear. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, Astonishing Swordsman, Indigo Dragon says, Astonishing Swordsman, Sorcerer's Hyperborea, Second Edition has great combat maneuver rules. Yes, it does. I just don't remember them off the top of my head because those rules I always get jumbled up in here and I have to read them every time. But yes, yes. Uh, it's just a weird term to use. Would you jog to attack the Eric? I doubt that. Well, 
it's it's a game term to say how fast you move. Basically, it's saying you can move up to double your movement rate. Because after that, once you start getting into running and sprinting and so on and so forth, you're focused on the run. You're not focused on, I still can attack. But to be fair, not everybody has to just walk into battle. You can jog into the fight. And, and use that momentum behind you. I, I think it's just, again, there is a kind of a miniatures or a wargaming component behind it. Unless you're a Zulu warrior. What, uh, so uh, let me put this on the screen because I want to read it a little bit better. I can't, uh, I can't manage tracking all of combat one second at a time with everyone acting simultaneously. Also tracking every time you get hit as a separate injury that has to be healed independently. Wait, what? what okay, did I... I hope somebody was talking about something else in chat because... I don't think that was directed at me. Yeah, I, I oh, think oh, he's... they're talking about Hackmaster. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I put up a different conversation up here. You're gonna say? Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I think he's talking about like when you segment, when you segment all the different actions going on, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's very difficult to keep track of all mm-hmm. of that. Um, one of the nice things about that, though, you know, when when the combat gets kind of, um, you know, unpredictable and very hard to keep track of, that's pretty darn realistic. You know, uh, yep. I, I mean, if you can really play that out and, and and you know, describe the action to the players and if the if the players start forgetting what they were their character was going to do, you know, have them lose their action and say, listen, that that's the nature of, uh, you know, a mass combat that's taking place. You're, you're fighting, you're fighting 25, you know, there's nine of you and you're fighting 25 hobgoblins. It's not going to be an orderly affair. All right. Some of you are going to forget your turn to strike your (laughs) turn to strike. Oh, wait, yeah, you were, you were out of place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so if it does get out of hand, you know, um, even on the macro level, like your, you know, the players are are getting confused. The DM is kind of losing some control over it. When you bring that back under control, leave the chaos component of it. You know, allow. And, yeah, go ahead. What, initiative is really there. It isn't to say like, okay, I I I attack a second after you, and I'm not arguing with with what uh, I'm just using it as the example. Um, isn't to say I attack a second after you, I attack a second after you. It, it does two things. Number one, it says I was able to thrust just a little bit quicker than you were able to come down. And I got this into your throat before you could hit me with the ax and you fall and die. And I don't. The other part of it is to keep the players you know, like, OK, who is next? OK, you're next. I mean, because it is still a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so like in the game that I'm writing, combat is a scrum. And this is why I'm saying combat's deadly and why surprise is important. Uh, is because uh, there there are no initiative rules. It's attack, and everything's done at what I call the order of operations. It's basically phases, and the phases are only there to say, okay, we have to separate this out a little bit so that there is some semblance of game mechanic control so, so the game master doesn't get confused and so forth, but uh, this isn't the right order, but essentially it goes, you know, like melee attacks, ranged attacks, magic attacks, your other actions. That is not the order I have in the game. But but then, okay, everybody do your melee attacks. Club, club, club. Okay, who's still alive? Okay, everybody do your ranged attacks. You know, just, and it's only for the sake of keeping the semblance of order. Hmm. Or keeping track of things. But yeah, that's why in that first round, you both could kill each other. Yeah. 
Although I do have special one-on-one -on -one rules. Uh, anyway, let's go. <laughs> let's go. So other things characters can do. You have ranged combat. I think everybody knows the idea of shooting a bow. Um, medium range uh, results in a minus two. Long range in a minus six. Now, you second edition, people will be like, whoa, it's supposed to be minus five. Well, this is Castles and Crusades. This is not AD&D second edition. So it's minus six. That's all you have to remember. Normal attack for short range, medium attack, minus two, long range for minus six, and I think that is a fair penalty, especially when you consider that you add your levels and all this other nonsense into rolls, right? Okay. Uh, let's go to unarmed combat. Grappling. These are usually the rules that mess with people the most, because... Um, but here's the, here's the thing. First of all, D&D's grappling rules are just bad. In, in the original AD&D, second, you know, second edition AD&D and so forth, I don't know about basic, I'm guessing it's somewhat the same. They're just bad. But that's fine because they meant they're meant to be an abstraction or a random abstraction. That, that's part of the problem with it. Most games can't get grappling rules right. Unless you think of it like this. It's just an abstraction. And this is a this is something that I had a hard time with, especially in the 90s, because I like to visualize everything exactly. It's like, no, no, no. And, and I took martial arts. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I took Kung Fu for a while. Um, so I'd be like, no, no, if he does this punch, I can grab his arm. And, you know, it's like, no. And I'd argue with game masters over this stuff. It's just an abstraction. And the more abstract the rules, the better I like it. I think, uh, again, Forbidden Lands has the best system of abstract grappling rules. If I make my roll, you are grappled. You cannot attack. I don't care how you describe it. You're pinned to the ground. I've got you in a foam Nelson. I'm, I'm holding your two wrists. I'm telling you, don't punch yourself. Don't punch yourself. Don't punch yourself. Whatever it happens to be, I've got, I'm preventing you from attack. And there you go. Now you can use a dexterity or strength or whatever your game system allows to try to get out of that but it's going to take up an action to do it. That's all it needs to be. It just needs to be, I made my grapple. What are you doing with it? How that's described is up to the, in this case, the castle keeper or DM Bloodworth or, or, you know, even the player, like the player's got to go. Yeah. Okay. He got me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, what do you call uh, a straight jacket? Hold up. Uh, he's bear hugging me. The problem with D with, uh, with uh, D and D at least second edition with that stupid chart is like, how did I go from a bear hug to a noogie, you know, it's like, well, how did that happen? Uh, all right, the attacker rolls a d20 and adds his bonus based uh, his bonus to hit, sorry, uh, plus any strength modifier. That's it, bonus hit plus modifier. A monster's bonus to hit is equal to its total number of hit dice, so a 3d8 hit die creature adds plus three. Uh, it's easy if the total is greater than or equal to the defender's armor class, the attack hits successfully, and the defender. Oh, it hits the, I can't read all of a sudden now. Successfully hits the defender and inflicts damage as determined by the class or monster description. So what does this grappling down here say? Um, the attack makes no roll, roll the hit. We got that. Should an attack be successful? The defender is held and cannot act except... There you go. Nice and simple. I've got you. The kobold is holding you. What are you going to do? Well, I, I had my sword like this, so he shouldn't have been able to bear hug me from the front. He didn't. He slid under your legs, grabbed your nuts. Your nuts. And now you're held because you don't want him to squeeze harder. I don't care what the reason is. You're grappled. Uh, the defender, considering the nature of the attack, is considered pinned or held. Unless uh, already laying on the ground, a pinned defender is considered standing. Okay. So held. Like, got it. Nice and simple. I like these rules. What do you think of these rules? Simple is best. And, and, yeah, de definitely does not need to be as complex as, uh, you know, as other game systems have made it out to be. Uh, so, yeah, perfectly reasonable 
to say, you know, you made your roll. Now the 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 opponent needs to, you know, try to respond. And it doesn't need to be more than that. You know, I don't know why they ever tried to, you know, make it much more nuanced and complex than it, I, I think it, it was really the war game simulationist in them. Yeah, but it, but it's like just how much how much grappling actually you know occurs you know in those situations. I mean, I guess I guess in close combat you you are, but still, it's just you know I've I've grabbed you, I've pinned you down. You're going to try to struggle to get out of it. Doesn't require a lot of uh, mm-hmm. you know a lot of game mechanics in order to resolve right. that out. I, I think I think it was because of weirdos like me who'd be like, well, how if I'm standing like this and and I block him like that, there's no way that he can, it's like and I've had game masters again. This is way back in the day, especially I'll tell you right now, Korea was the worst place I ever was a player in it, or and game master. If I could remove that one year from my life from my gaming hobby experience, everybody, not only myself, would be happier for it. That was bad. That was a bad time. I was a bad person then. Um but I used to argue that stuff all the time. Like, no, you couldn't do that. And game masters would try to simplify it. And be like, well, that's stupid because I can stop that instantly. I don't care. You know, that's not the point. And you have to sometimes deal with people like me and explain, no, just simple. You are pinned. It doesn't matter how it happened. Yeah. You're being held. And, and, you know, so I think that may be why with that simulationist mindset, uh, maybe why some of those rules were put in. I don't yeah, know. See, yeah, trying to impose rules on combat is a, is a little bit uh, strange, even in real life. I mean, you know, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, on the pugil in the pugil fit uh, pit in uh, you know in basic training, they were like, you have to keep both hands on the pugil stick. You know, you're not allowed to swing the pugil stick with one hand or whatever. It's like you're in combat. You're gonna do whatever the hell. You're gonna do well, whatever the hell. Was just, it was there a safety to... reason for that? Because I can understand because you you know you can do a lot of damage if you get that thing going, even with the little I, spongy end. I suppose so. <laughs> You know, but uh, like I'll tell you a true story. So, so I'm getting my ass kicked, all right, by Private White. I'll never forget it. He was like 250 pounds, six foot three. You know, I was I was five foot six, one fifty eight. Well, that's Every, why they put you against him. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, yeah. You, you, they always match you up with somebody who is going to destroy you. One person that you should be even, and one person that you should be able to destroy. So uh, anyway, um, every time he hit me. It, it felt like I was going to lose consciousness. All right. Oh, Especially wow. headshots. Oh yeah. He, I mean, he blasted me every time and every time I got spun around. All right. And so I was lashing out with, you know, one handed swinging back, you know, <laughs> get both those hands on that. I was like, what? You know? So at one point, the drill sergeant, uh, you know, and drill sergeant reigns, you know, Hope the man is still alive today. <laughs> you know, he was old then. So uh, he, he may, may or may not be. He comes up to me and he says, if you turn your back on him one more time, he says, I'm going to fight you. I, I literally said, he says, you're not going to do any better than he is. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, go right ahead. But they were trying to apply these like ridiculous rules, you know, to, you know, to combat. And it, it just wasn't going, you know, I, I just wasn't going to do it. I said, either way, I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> so I might as well try to do something in return and see i, I don't I, I we never did that in the air force but you know if oh. i had, if i'd have been a pugilist if i had been a pugilist uh stick dude i mean i'm not saying it would have worked okay yeah. i'm not sitting here saying i'm ninja max but especially then with with my training 
Oh, dude, I absolutely would have taken that thing one hand, maybe two hand, because I could do it either way, and I'd have just swept his ass. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> you know, the thing is, I would have had to somebody that big, especially with my size at that point in my life where I was only 120 some pounds um I would have had to have spun around because in order to get that proper momentum I would have had to have my hips moving and right. but, you know but I'd take his legs out from underneath him and if that didn't work well guess what he's clubbing me in the back but it's really against somebody who's 6'3 200 some odd pounds what else am I going to do either that or I'm going to jab him in the face but another reason why even when you train in a bow staff you'll do the one hand thing is to keep somebody at distance at distance right you know so so in a game you know, you're not going to go through all of the possibilities of right. what you're going to do in that combat, you know? Um, and, and so it's basically, you made your, you made your hit roll, you hit, that's it. Now, now right. you do the next thing. It, it, it could be much more simplified, you know, when you're, you know, when it doesn't need to be that, uh, that nuanced and complex. <laughs> so, wow. I think we just got called out. For what? <laughs> uh, I I don't know what V nine L two L twenty means. I I don't, I don't know exactly what that is, but uh, but still a version yeah. nine level two. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. no. But meanwhile, in real life, that's the part I took out of that. Meanwhile, yeah. Life, <laughs> uh, yeah. It sounds like it was time for the jogging maneuver in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I get to use half movement radar? <laughs> You know, oh Vikings! Oh Vikings! Nine! I know. Oh, oh I'm okay. watching now it. it <laughs> I'm watching. The, oh, oh, oh okay. hold on! Yeah. Cousins just threw a long pass. Oh, look at that! All right, all right. Oh God. Um. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um. I forgot what I was. Oh, uh, one of the things my Sifu taught us in martial arts is if somebody's coming at you in a straight line, you move, you know, in a circle. If somebody's coming at you, you know, acting all wild and crazy, coming at you in a circle, you move in a straight line. Well, guess what? Guess what the best straight line is? And my Sifu was not again saying this stuff. He's like, if you can straight line your ass out of there, go. <laughs> yeah, run away. Why yeah. are you fighting anyway? Because <laughs> the drill sergeant made me. All right. So let's go on. Well, actually, that might segue right into situational modifiers. I'm banning all of chat. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So we've got overbearing, pummeling, and if you want to see the exact rules for this stuff, uh, uh, go ahead and read that. I, I will. I will take DM Bloodworth's uh, suggestion. We're going to go into situational modifiers. Could be worse. Could be the Giants. Oh God. Uh, then there's situations where it would be impossible to set up a rule or would involve such complex rules to fill up an entire tome. And I think this is what DM Bloodworth was just kind of trying to talk about where it's like, you cannot simulate life through a game. Even something as simple as, as uh, uh, grappling, because there are so many different options and things that can happen in, in people with different musculatures and bone structures and speeds, whatever maneuvers, just make it simple. In these instances, rulings over rules, the castle keeper must use reason, common sense, or narrative development. I love it. Put that right into the rules to determine what modifier is applied to the hit roll. All right. I'm not going to go through the example there. Uh, let's see what else we have. Here's, here's some situational combat. Defender is prone or blind. Add plus five. Remember, this is to the attacker's roll. Mm -hmm. If the defender now, this is one that when I saw the chart yesterday, real quickly, when I was kind of scrolling through how many pages I was going to have to look at, I was like, "What?" 
defender prone and defenseless. Why? Plus, that should just be a coup de gras kind of thing. But I could imagine it for ranged attacks. You know, you have to think a little bit outside the box. Or let's be fair. How many times you, if you understand the history of knights and heavy armor, man, you'd be laying on the ground and they'd be smacking at your armor, and the knight would just be laying there dying of dysentery. Still, I mean, like yeah. now. It isn't that somebody couldn't find the weak spot. I'm not being ridiculous here, but uh, but peasants would come up and they would just bang on them because it was very distracting. Uh, so I could see the negative ten, but at the same time, you could just be a castle keeper and say, uh, "Yeah, you you kill him." Defender at lower elevation plus one. Defender stunned or cowering. That's funny. That stunned is only a plus two. I would think it'd be higher. Defender, invisible, or attacker, blind, minus 10. And you can read the rest of these. Don't have to. I like these part. I like these cover rules. Um, I might not have been heathen dog, but somebody commented when we talked about this in the past that there are too many. You don't need quarter, half, three quarter, and full. You could have just had half and full. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's up to you. I mean, you're, the, you're the game master. You can change the game how you want. Uh, armor class is represented with the ability, so we know what AC is already, right? That's the target number to hit your butt. Now, shields. How do shields work? Every shield has a plus one modifier to armor class, but the size of shield determines how many opponents the plus one applies against. Oh! Okay, small shields only offer the adjustment against one attacker. Pick. You got three people attacking you, which one are you using your shield for? Medium shields against two, large shields against three. I like that. I think that's a nice, simple rule, but meaningful rule. Yeah, I really like that. That's that's a that's an innovation. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're they're the first one that came up with it, but uh, it's certainly not something that uh, I recall in first edition AD and D. Um, you could probably tell me better if it was in second. Um, but that's certainly a just a common sense mm -hmm. application of uh, of game mechanics so uh i really like that yes that shield world what was it worth stealing uh that rule was in second edition okay i did I, i'll be honest with you i didn't know that or if i did know it i've forgotten it oh great i'm never allowed to talk about second edition ad and d again because oh. i'm not a master of it oh jesus <laughs> um You've been exposed well, <laughs> i've been exposed fraud Dish. Okay, helms. Armor class adjustment for helms apply to strikes against the head only. Do not otherwise adjust armor class. If there's an instance where the castle keeper determines that a blow lands on the head, either through the head being the only exposed target or some other circumstance, the AC of the head is 10 plus dexterity. Wow, that's a dexterous head. Whoa! <laughs> each head, or sorry, each helmet's adjustment is listed in the equipment. A normal helm, for example, is plus five adjustment to the armor class. This gives the individual wearing it a 15. Okay, that makes sense. I, I'm neither yay or... I, I, Perfect example, perfect example of that was when uh, George W. Bush dodged the shoe. Did oh, dodge the shoe? Yeah, yeah dodge yeah, the shoe. Remember, okay. Yeah, that was a dexterous, very all neck, right? Boom. It's like my wife does that to me all the time. She's like throwing shoes at me. I'm like, I'm not a cat on a fence. Stop it. <laughs> cover, and you've you got the cover just which we've already seen here. So here's my question, and I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to skim through this right now. Is this to both? 
Oh no, I'm sorry. This is concealed and this is covered. My God, as somebody who's in the military, I should have caught the difference. And as somebody who's got specific rules for cover and concealment in my, uh, we'll call it my um, homage to Palladium. Yeah, I should have noticed that this said concealed and this says cover. And this is the right way to do it. Concealment should make you harder to hit. Cover, well, should make it harder to attack you. Cover should make you harder to hit. I, okay, I agree with that. All right, magic. You can cast spells. Okay, that's great. Situation, circumstances. There are innumerable, innumerable situations, uh, situational modifiers which can adjust armor class. Too numerous to list. There's honesty for you. I love it. Castlekeeper shall always bear in mind the current situation circumstances. And we've got combat maneuvers. Let's look at these combat maneuvers. And why did I skip that? Oh, hold on. Let me make sure. Oh, maybe it's not there. I thought there was a chart that uh, showed. It's basically plus five to minus five is the general rule of thumb. It's just kind of like the skill stuff for your uh, situational. Called shot, minus eight to hit. Double damage or critical if allowed. Ah, Palladium doesn't have rules for cover and concealment, but I do. And the reason I have rules for cover and concealment is because I use the, the the Compendium of Modern Weapons book when I run my Palladium games. And uh, I want people to be able to take... Uh, Indigo Dragon, you may not have been there, but I actually... I think it was on one of the Friday chill streams. I actually showed it on the screen for a moment. Uh, I do have cover and, cover and concealment rules for uh, for Palladium. Essentially, all it does is it changes that automatic hit from like a is what a four or less is a miss, five or more is a hit. I change it to like a twelve or more or a sixteen or more, you know, based on the cover and concealment. So, because I was finding that the modern weapons guide made it way too deadly, <laughs> way too deadly, and I wanted people to make use of things like cover and concealment. So, okay, back back to castles and crusades. You can see different things. So there you go. There you charger charging uh, information right there. Take a Reach. look at that uh, close supporting fire. Ooh. Attacker rolls allies. So, oh, attacker rolls uh, strikes allies. Why not on a one? Oh, I guess a one, one is a one is a pure fumble, right? So they might not hit anything on, or, on or, a one or pure failure. Okay, yeah, fumble yeah, or, or failure. Or, or you might use a different chart for that. But uh, this is something that you know. My players are frequently firing into melee, um, although they've gotten a little bit gun shy, you know, for lack of better, you know, for a more appropriate term for it. They've got a little gun shy about that, but <laughs> having this in there where on a roll of two to four kind of sets it, it actually removes my uh, double rolling because you have to roll, um, you know, two failures means that you hit somebody, but okay. uh, this would actually unify it into just one roll. If you roll a two through four, um, provided that doesn't still hit your target, but a two through four, four, it's automatically, um, you know, hitting your ally instead. So, and, and I think it's a nice, easy yeah. solution because everybody get ready to drink. Earthdawn had a solution where, uh, where is actually, it's one of the few rules I really don't like of Earthdawn while it makes sense. Essentially is you just start at the closest target from the, uh, from the actual target or closest character from the from the target and then compare i think D, &D actually did as well and then compare armor classes until uh, you kind of run out of ability to hit it's like uh i don't want to do all of that i like something as simple as this because you have to roll pretty badly for it to happen and uh and then how do you pick which character i don't know there's four of them there i roll a d4 that's like this will move on or what makes the most sense oh that one uh, seems to be in the uh, the line of fire, especially if the person's in front and it's a melee scrum. Just hit that one. Yeah. 
But AT and D had like like size differences and as well. Yeah, so, that's true. Like if yep. it, if it's a giant, you cannot possibly hit uh, hit your your dwarven companion who is attacking it in melee combat. You know, because you're especially on the other yeah, side. Yeah. Right. Right. So they, you know, they do have certain um, certain rules. You know, rules of thumb uh, to be applied. You know, common sense rules to be applied as well. But uh, you know, hey, I, I I still don't see the problem of saying, well, if you if you rolled two critical failures, you know, um, mm -hmm. you could still hit that uh, that halfling. You know, sure. attacking the ankle of the hill giant instead of hitting the, the hill giant. You know, so. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I like think this what, idea. Whatever system you use that you're comfortable with is a, is a good system. I I, yeah. I generally just speaking for castles and crusades. Reading through this book, mm -hmm. I I think this is nice and simple. Keep it simple, yep. stupid, and yeah. Hey, hungry Ewok, hungry Ewoks, drinking and chat. Good. <laughs> All right. Oops. Okay, called shot. I do want to read this, and then I think we're almost to the end. Yeah, because uh, maybe not. We'll just kind of. Uh, called shot because this is always something that interests me in games because this tells a lot about a game to me and there's an example for it. This is when a combatant takes careful aim uh, at attempting to hit the target in a specific spot. The attacker suffers a minus eight. Holy balls. Wow. Mm -hmm. If the attack hits, it it's automatically perfect. deals critical damage. Okay, so you know what? There, there is a reward for that. It isn't mm -hmm. just like, okay, you hit. No, no, you're doing critical damage depending on the method used by the game group. No method to use, allow the attack to deal double damage. Okay, so a called shot essentially just says, I want to make a double damage attack at a minus eight. I, I, I'm cool with that. And of course, you know, if you're trying to make the person drop a dagger and you're saying, I'm shooting his arm, you know, something like that, a good game master is going to be like, isn't just be like, well, you do double damage, but you stole the dagger. <laughs> you know, come on. Hmm. Uh, hmm. So let's see what this half elf is. Jana, or is it Jana? She's German. Uh, the half elf ranger wants to make a called shot on an orc's helmeted head. The orc's armor class, that's just a look at that. Bringing in multiple things. Good. The orc's armor class is a measly 13, but its helmet grants it a plus two, and the head itself is difficult to gain, uh, to hit, granting the orc an additional plus three to the base armor class. Okay, this gives Janna an armor class of 18 to hit prior to adding the minus eight penalty to the die roll. Now, here's one thing that is a complaint, although it is consistent in this game. I'm not complaining about Castles and Crusades. It's just a it's a game design complaint that I have. I don't like it when games modify both the target number and the roll. Hmm. Pick one. That That's, that's just... It's, it's one of the things that I'm actually struggling with as I'm writing my own games um, in terms of being consistent about that because I think it gets a little convoluted for this. It is not a bad game. This is not, I'm not complaining about Castle and Crusades. It's all over the place. I would just say for future, you know, in, in more modern game terms, just pick one to effect. Either pick the target number and let the dice, you know, WYSIWYG, <laughs> what you see is what you get on the die, or keep that st uh, target number static and then roll the die and apply the modifiers after instead of both. Just an opinion. All right. Not that you can't do simple math. I get it. I'm just saying. If Jenna wants to hit the orc in the head, she must make an attack roll of 26 or better because the 18 and then the minus 8 to her roll. If she hits, she automatically deals critical damage or double damage depending on her. So, those, uh, those attacks are no joke. Mm-hmm. All right, here are the different actions you've got. You can pause it if you want to see what each one does, or better yet, buy the book. Narrative of combat. Look, I'm not going to read this. So 
if you want to read, but, but there's a line here. There's a line that I saw. Where is it? Uh, oh, here we go. It is important to note that castle keepers must be careful not to run one-sided fights. Characters can do the same damage that monsters can do. Let's flip that for a second. One of my pet peeves, and I'm not saying you run every monster to its perfect numerical synergistic conclusion. But one of my complaints is when people play monsters really stupid. And again, I mentioned earlier about how I was a bad, bad person in the 90s. I had somebody light me up. Now, I actually had a story purpose for this. But it didn't even get that far because I got lit up and then, you know, I caused some friction. Uh, but this one guy who wrote for Polyhedron Magazine hated how I handled Drow. Because I didn't utilize all of their abilities. And it was intentional. Because I was trying to draw the players in as a hook. And I, I, I got a four-hour dressing down by this guy. But his point since then and in my experience of playing games and so forth is still, hey, don't, treat your, don't have your monsters act stupid just because they're monsters. Now, there are things, I mean, they act instinctively. A gelatinous cube isn't going to, you know, it's going to start turning into a ninja on you. But it survives for a reason. It has the ability to survive because it has certain roles. It has certain abilities, almost can't see, you know, and so forth. Use those abilities. How would something that evolved uh, you know, on an evolutionary scale fight like that? And there's a book that, while I don't like the pronoun use in the book, but it's called uh, something about, like, I, I can't see it up there. It's hidden, but, like, how the monsters actually fight. And I know it's meant for fifth edition, but it's really got some good ideas even for other editions of the game. A lot of you might not need the book. I like it as a helpful guide because it jogs my memory on some things. Like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that does make sense, you know? Anyway, play the monsters. And, and Heathen Dog and I actually did a couple episodes way back in the day of RPG Digest where we talked about, you know, a cockatrice and a rust monster and some of those simplistic things that are out there. Cockatrice is no joke. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> hey, Michael McLaughlin, how are you doing today? 5e is obsessed with balanced encounters. Yeah, I mean... I. I like I conceptually am okay with balanced encounters as long as it's not all of them and you don't rely on it like I have to make this balanced. No, you don't. There's no such thing as a balanced encounter because you can have a whole ton of different things from spell selection to uh, just the way the dice come out to, you know, you can build, I could build one creature that can take out an entire party if the party say fire based. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there are things you can do. A good game master can do all that. What I don't like our tropes of that whole balance space in fifth edition DD. And you you've run fifth edition DD, right? GM or DM Blood Earth? Not yet. Planning. Oh, you on. oh you, okay. I, th I thought you had. Um <clears throat> well the whole concept of like, well the only way to kill a party is to prevent them from having their short and long rests. Well okay if you if there's only one way to kill a party, that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh you know outside of that though, random encounters, um I always try to give the players an out. Actually I always give the players an out. Now, if they choose not to take it, eh. I mean, look, uh, uh, <laughs> what's it? Uh, my God, Bruce, Bruce Lombardo. He killed half his party with a blue dragon. They could have left. They were obstinate, chose not to. Like, uh, leave your stuff behind and I'll let you go back through the portal. They're like, no. All right. <laughs> Wing Buffett. You know, um, guess what? Half the party was making a new character, you know, but there was still an out there. Always give your characters an out. Do they choose to take it or not is their business. I, I, you know, Bob got mad at me because I killed him because a wyvern was flying overhead or was it two wyverns? Doesn't matter. Was flying overhead and he tried to hide behind a rock. It's looking down on you. There's no <laughs> rock in the world that's going to hide you. 
You know, I, I get it. You're a scout. You have magical abilities that, that entail with that, but you're right there, you know? So, uh, you know, anyway, don't be, uh, sorry. I'm not, I'm not focused on chat right now. Cause I'm reading through. If there's anything, I will come back to, uh, I, I will come back to, to reading that. All right. Hit points. Hit points are an abstraction. Uh, it's amount of damage, physical, mental character, uh, non-player character, a monster can take before passing out or dying. Character's hit points are mere abstraction. Yeah, it says right there. And are not enumeration of the character. Look at that. Not enumeration of the character's physical being. I personally don't like that, but that is the proper way to run hit points. I like uh, who is it? I, I wasn't arguing, but I, I I think it was on my Discord. I typed to somebody like I just absolutely hate 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 the idea that if you've got 50 hit points you're just as strong at 50 hit points as you're at one hit point then it's you're dead <laughs> like like that no no i can't handle it my brain does not allow that i'm not saying that that kind of methodology is wrong in fact if you go by the rules my methodology is more wrong i but my brain cannot handle that there has to be a degradation in there that's just the way i see it so uh how, how do you do your games you run for first edition game how, how are you doing yours Right. I, I mean, we really don't get into, you know, into that as much. Uh, we, we focus more on, you know, what happens to you when you go below zero. Um, I mean, I'll describe what what I'll describe what would have been a, a really serious injury to um, like. So recently, my halfling, my halfling, uh, the halfling character in the group took um took 16 points of damage from a single hit. And I said, wow, just two levels ago, you were brought to negative three with the same kind of hit, you know? Um, so how do you represent this to your character? It's not that your, your character is all of a sudden, um, you know, your body's physically able to take twice as much damage as it was. Your experience has allowed you to shift away from most of that you know um it, you know and and so i do believe in that that you could take the the player character starting hit points and put that in a parentheses so you know where their physical damage begins okay and everything beyond that is experience you know um all right and, sure. and, and to me conceptually that actually makes sense you learn mm -hmm. how to better dodge or or you know, slide off some of that damage, or you're wearing your armor a little bit better because I, I think so. So in some regards, you're kind of house ruling in like the Palladium SDC versus hit points thing. Well, yeah, it, it, it's just just the concept of it, you know, because it it makes sense, you know. Um, when you get hit, when you get hit wearing armor, you know, just because the armor says that uh, you know you're not going to take damage from it doesn't mean that you didn't get hit, right? You know, it, it just Oops. means that the, the, the armor absorbed that um, in more complex systems, you would actually take points of the armor's endurance off. Oh, yes. That, for that hit. Battle you know? of the and, 23rd century. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not a firm believer that, you know, a hit point is a hit point is a hit point. Um, there there's different types of hit points that your character has. OK. And and that's one of the things that's great about having an abstract system like this is, I mean, again, the rules as written people are going to complain, but who cares? I don't care about the rules as written people. Um, if they're having fun in their games, let them have fun in their games. But uh, if somebody like me, I, I mean, 
I actually like that abstraction that he came up with. And I may, you know, again, I, I, I see it as the palladium system, not, not that he stole it, but just conceptually, cause I played a lot of it where it's like, okay, yeah, you got SDC, which is kind of like your vitality. It's your, it's your speed. It's your mental health. It's, you know, everything kind of wrapped into one. It's not so much just physical. My bones are broken type damage until you get to those hit points. Then it's like, all right, that luck is worn out. <laughs> and now anything that hits you now, you're too tired to dodge away from that thing. And it's actually hurting you. So. All right, uh, Castle Keeper, so hit points. Now, uh, hit points are determined by, we already went through that in the, the character descriptions, temporary hit points. In some cases, temporary hit points come first. Guess what? Temporary hit points act like real hit points, except for that they are taken care of first and cannot be healed. Uh, damage, healing, zero hit points. Oh, what happens at zero hit points? In general, when zero hit points is reached, the character or monster passes out. Doesn't die, passes out. Oh, it says right there. It's not dead. All right, so, uh, but... The full effect of magical healing character, okay, at negative one to negative six, rendered unconscious and grievously wounded. So let's read the example. A knight is struck by a club, uh, by a club wielding, well, is struck by a club wielded by an Etten and reduced to negative one hit points. Before healing begins, the knight must wait 24 hours. However, a cleric of goodly intent decides to share the grace of his deity with the knight and cast cure light wounds on the knight. The cure is for eight hit points, but the knight is only brought up to zero. Okay, let's let's go back up, up to here. Unless magically healed, the character so wounded must rest for 24 hours. With most magically healing, the character's hit points can only be returned to zero. Wow, okay. Wow. Interesting. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. I like this, and here's why I like it. I don't like the whack-a-mole character. Down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. <laughs> like, it's... It's annoying to me uh so i'm i'm good with this mm -hmm. however healing can proceed normally thereafter and guess what at this point you could get a second heal yeah it takes a second heal but you could get a second heal and then pop up whack-a-mole mm -hmm. yeah negative uh, seven to negative nine the character monster is mortally wounded uh and loses one hit point per round after reaching negative seven ouch and at negative 10 Dead. play taps yeah damage uh, you know, we're not going to go through this. Damage is just damage. Now, subdual damage is temporary. Uh, do we want to read what temporary damage does? I'm going to tell you right now, no. Get the book. Falling damage, you can fall and take damage. Yep. <laughs> uh, acid, there you go. And you get a saving throw to try to, you know, only take half damage. But acid hurts. Flammable gel. Napalm. <laughs> uh, and I think we're at the end. Oh, no, we're not. Jesus. Did we already cover this in the previous episode? Turning undead. I think we covered turning undead and destroying undead. If not, well, guess what? You can turn undead. Oh, here are the effects of gas. You can look at those. Something tells me this looks familiar to me. I think we covered this. And if not, well, too bad. Because we're done. We're done with combat. Combat is over. We all died. We rolled. We failed our saves. We got to negative 10 hit points. And we are all dead. So, uh, I, look, it's not a word-for-word read-through. It's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be just a quick understanding, show you what's in the game, to talk about our thoughts about Castles and Crusades. I am going to go first because I, I've been doing this from the beginning. And I'm just going to say, I don't know what I said about 7th printing. I really don't remember. But I'm going to tell you right now that I like Castles and Crusades. It still hasn't trumped Hyperborea for my favorite what I would consider my true third edition D&D. &D. But as its own system and its own setting, I could see myself playing Castles and Crusades tomorrow. I, I, I really like it. Like, I want to play it. Uh, when I have time and in the future, uh, it's one of those things that uh, 
And yes, much to Heath and Tog's chagrin, I would probably play an illusionist because I like the illusionist uh, in this game. Have you have you heard of his uh, his uh, his thoughts about uh, the illusionist? No, no, I missed uh, that. Okay, that that was last week's episode. Uh, but to to paraphrase and not to put too many words in his mouth, uh, you know, he can do that on his own. Is uh, he thinks it's misnamed. It should be named something more like, uh, you know, a psychic or mind melter or whatever, because it's not just an illusionist. It changes the reality. Okay. So he's got heartburn over that. And, <laughs> hey, but that's one of those things where it's like, hey, Baron G-Rock, how you doing? Man, Baron G-Rock joins after you give him all his props. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So now he'll never know what happened. I'll, I'll most likely <laughs> give him again. Well, actually, I put it on that. I, I put it on the post, yeah. so I'm sure he'll... He'll see it. Yeah, when we when um, we go into segment two, we'll we'll yes. definitely have that. But welcome, welcome. Uh, I am more favorable to. Oh, did I really rant more? Huh. Wonder why that is. I actually, I mean, I didn't have a problem with seven printing that I remember. But uh, you know what? So I'm gonna put that on the screen. I did have problems with the editing of, of seventh printing. I still have some problems with this editing as well, because I can read parts of a chapter and it writes one method. And then I can read the other part of a chapter and it's written another method, but I've been asked by people to stop ranting about that. So, uh, you know, I point it out really quickly and say, Oh, there's a problem again and then move on. And I don't rant about it as much anymore. But, uh, but if I was more favorable to eighth printing than seventh printing, cool. But, uh, no castles and crusades is a game. Even with seven printing, I at least remember like I want to try it. I want to. I want to play it. Yeah, I I certainly want to as well. Uh, since I I don't know which like I, like I said earlier, I don't know which uh, which versions of it I do have. I have the two thousand and six collectors, uh, just the player's handbook and the and the monster uh, and treasures manual, and okay. then the other one I have is two thousand fourteen. So. Um, you know, you corrected me, and that they're not—they're uh, not additions. You know, they're, <laughs> they they're corrected printing. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not additions. So, um, so I, I'm not sure. I'm guessing if it was 2014, and what this newest one is, uh, 21 or 20. Uh, this year, uh, the, I still don't even have oh, that. So I do, I do have a ma- uh, an email notification saying that my physical copies are on the way. Oh, so and that's the. This is from the that's Kickstarter. the eighth printing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's eighth the, printing. That's yet. the eighth printing. So those aren't quite available yet. So I probably have, I probably have one and seven. Um, thinking. All right, cool. Not, not a problem. I, I I wish I had time for computer games now. There needs to be two of me. Because this is actually New World is a game I've kind of wanted to play. But uh, then again, I get sucked into MMOs because I'm one of those people that believes that an MMO doesn't start until you reach max level. So I'm always a guy that grinds all the way to max level. I play however I want till max level. And then when I hit there, I have to do all the tips and tricks. But uh, yeah, I, I, okay. have to, I have to get back for my channel. I have to get back to some computer RPGs. Um, it's been a long time. And, um, and that's one that I've been looking at. But I am very leery of MMOs when they first release. Oh, fair, uh, yeah. They, 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 they do not have a good track record across the board. I don't care what company it is. Um, City of Heroes was the only one that, that I can recall that launched to near perfection. Um, so that, no, that's how well, far uh, I, you have to go. Really? I thought City of Heroes had a horrible launch day from what I no, remember. Even no, thinking no. Okay. You're, you're, you might be thinking World of Warcraft was horrible. It was unplayable. 
no, no, I, 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 I didn't play World of Warcraft yeah. because I played World of Warcraft in beta and said, yeah. I'm not playing this crap game. I'm going to go yeah. play EverQuest 2. And then EverQuest 2 had its own issues. But <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, City of Heroes was a very smooth uh, release. Okay. Um, so, you know, remarkably so. But uh, yeah, I tend to avoid uh, MMOs when they're first released because, uh, you know, but I hear a lot of good things about, um, about New World. Well, other than Mostly, the SJW crowd calling it colonialism and everything else. Oh, well, yeah. That would make me want to play it all the more. Right. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm, I'm going to go through the, the end segment yeah. stuff. So I know when to end the segment. And then, uh, yeah, we'll fly into. So I, I, I didn't a single time. This is bad on me. Bad on me. Bad Max. I forgot to say subscribe. And of course, as we end our segment one here, I do want to remind everybody that you can find us on these wonderful websites. Go ahead and pause it. Or there. And we have our 3,000 subscriber giveaway. And I mentioned that at the beginning. So with that, I want to thank DM Bloodworth for being here. Uh, I didn't give him a lot of opportunity to say a lot of things. But you know what? He chimed in when he needed to. And he had some good opinions and some good historical... Uh, maybe I shouldn't call it... Uh, experience. It's some good experience that he could relate to the game. So I want to thank you for being here. Bouncing some ideas off me. Let me bounce some ideas off you. And, and making segment one enjoyable. Well, so thanks are you, for are you, having me. Yeah, are you excited to play Castles and Crusades now? Yes, I am actually. I'm uh, excited to take a look at it and, um, you know, to run uh, run a short campaign, see how it plays out. And, uh, you know, it might be another... What, what I like to take from these, trying out these other games is uh, I like finding these little nuggets of, you know what, I'm going to port that into whatever else I'm running, you know, and uh, it's always good to borrow good ideas from many different sources and then bring them together into your game. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. This is not ending the stream. That's just for the YouTube side. And I'm going to keep this in there, too, so they know I'm talking badly about them when this ends. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So um, what do we want to show off today? Well, I'm going to show off a couple of things uh, before we go into segment two. The first thing I've got to show off, I'm obliged to do this. It is written into his contract. Let's show off DM Bloodware's chain. Uh, or, uh, wow, I just read Unscripted Unchained, and I just said chain for some reason. Um, let's show off your YouTube channel. What have you got going on your YouTube channel, sir? Uh, let's see. The last thing I did was the, uh, the somewhat controversial <laughs> conversation <laughs> that I had with uh, J. Scott Garibay. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an interesting conversation that uh, caused quite a bit of, uh, I guess, buzz you know, across uh, several different channels over the last uh, week uh, since I did that. What is that? Three days ago I did that? Um, you know, remarkably, uh, three or four days maybe uh, since I've done that. And it was it was a great conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it to have, to be able to sit down with someone who we really aren't coming from the same space mm -mm. Uh, when it comes to uh, role-playing games in general and certainly Dungeons and Dragons, but to have a civil conversation, which, uh, you know, which we did certainly have. And even though we did not convince, you know, each other of anything beyond maybe a 10% level, uh, that's still a quality conversation. And, and I, I'm going to say, you know, why I believe that. Um, Every conversation that you have with somebody or every debate that you have somebody uh, with somebody um, 
it's not necessarily important for you to move that person. Um, that might not even be your objective. Your objective might be to, well, let me hear how someone is going to um, take my ideas and gives me an opportunity now to shore up my own ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to, you know, well, maybe I need to present them differently to make them more convincing or, um, or maybe I'm just going to say, you know what, I, 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 I'm, I'm even more in belief now that I was correct to begin with and just remain more steadfast and more to my guns. Um, the fact that you could have a debate and not convince one or the other in moving in any direction towards each other uh, is not a is not a failure of a conversation. All right. right. It, it's still it's still a positive effect that can come out of that conversation. So what I came away from that conversation and I mentioned it in your stream uh, was that uh, I learned two things from that conversation. Number one, neither of us are bad people, all right? We're not coming from a bad place, and we're not looking to, you know, to uh, do any harm with our ideas, you know? So I am not I am not destroying society with my are ideas. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm, I'm fairly certain. I see certain. the fire and the nuclear <laughs> missiles behind you. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. Even though on Facebook, I really grabbed on to that meme of, you know, exposing exposing friends to uh to extremist content uh i ran with that for about three months uh well once <laughs> i saw that meme on there as a as a banner across my avatar um yes i i do want to expose everyone to extremist content um you know uh as far as views are concerned you know as far as uh not actions, views. <laughs> so, uh, well, um, and then let's you know, and anybody who wants to sit there and say, like, so if you remember, JSG was on on Legion Myth or my mm -hmm. Friday Chill stream, I think one of the first ones, and people got mad at me. Not a lot, just a couple got mad at me because Max, you rant and you talk tough and blah, but you didn't. You should have gone off on him and like, that's not the proper decorum in civilized society. Yes, right. there comes a point where. Where you talk, first of all, you talk crap about somebody because it's on YouTube. And, and I'm going to get into more of this later, so I'm not going to spill everything I'm going to talk about them. But that's just not how you act. If that's how you would act in civilized society, you're not a civilized human being. That doesn't mean you can never jump up and scream. That doesn't mean you can't stand, you know, stand by your guns. That doesn't mean you can't even curse and call somebody names necessarily. But that isn't how you come out of the gate. And if right. that is what you do, then, then you're actually the bad person in that one. Mm -hmm. oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean it, it's it's like a it's like I take um, it's the way I handle pronouns, you know. So if I have somebody, <laughs> if I have somebody who is sitting across from me, you know, at my gaming table, who wants who wants me to use a pronoun that doesn't match their presentation, all right, um, or, or they want to use some some, you know weird pronoun that doesn't exist in, in regular grammar usage, or, you know, they want to use Zer or Z or, or any of those made up things because they're sitting at my table across from me. All right. I'll use the pronoun. I'm not going to, you know, or I'll try to avoid using it, you know, completely and just address them by their name, you know, um, 
and and thus avoid the pronoun whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to be directly an asshole to somebody, you know, that I know if I know it's going to upset you, I'm not going to use it. I, I use this expression because I, I, I have an older brother who is, uh, who's very much into supporting that whole thing. Uh, I don't know if he's fully an SA, SJW, but he's more closer to that than I am. Okay. And, um, and what I say is, uh, he's a huge Star Trek fan. And so I use, uh, I use Mr. Spock as an example. Uh, if you know the, uh, if you know the episode called uh, "Whom Gods Destroy," this is with Lord Garth. All right, so the former, the former Starfleet captain Garth, and he wants to, uh, he refers to himself as Lord Garth, and not once. Wait, does... is that one of the, like the first? Two episodes or something. I'm trying to trying to picture that it's, one. For some it's reason, early I can't... on, it's very early on. Um, is he the one with the glowing eyes where he gets the girl with no, the glowing eyes? No, no, eyes? no, oh, no. Okay. He's the one. He's the one on the on the insane asylum planet that oh, takes he... over the planet. Mm -hmm. All right, and so Lord Garth, and he keeps on correcting Mister Spock. He says it's Lord Garth. Spock never once says Lord Garth. He'll say as you wish, or what have you, or whatever, but he never once says Lord Garth. He never once buys into, or plays into, or caters to the delusion that he's a Lord, you know? And, and so he never addresses him by that pronoun. And, and and yet he still gets his point across however he's going to do it. I, I would, I do it the same way. You know, I'm, I'm not going to outwardly insult you, you know, or overtly insult you. Um, but I'm I'm not going to cater to. So so we, you and I are that. a little different in that regard yeah. because I have I have some lines in the sand that I won't mm -hmm. cross, and, and there are reasons for them. I know like uh, if somebody's trying to argue with me. I'm a one true Scotsman because I believe in the Chicago Manual style over MLA. Well, MLA has always been activist. It has been since the '90s when the when academia really took over MLA. That's why the MLA changed mm -hmm. a long time ago to say nonsense that I don't agree with. And part of that is because of the way I was raised. I was also raised utilizing the Chicago Manual style. That's what my school used, and in my entire area, uh, Heathen Dog as well. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I do kind of believe that there is a certain right way, and I understand why some people feel that you should do this, you should do that. Well, the thing is, is it isn't just raising. It, it's about the fact of I'm not going to change because you want me to change. A pronoun is not something that uh, that you call yourself. It is something I call you or you call me. Mm -hmm. You're not going to compel speech for me. So now what I sit here, if you told me right, well, first of all, if you were to sit right there and say, well, I, I'm actually a woman, I'd be like, no. And I'd, I'd have no problem telling you that to your face because you're not presenting yourself as a woman. You're not looking like a woman. You're not doing anything. Now, as somebody who now, well, unfortunately, she is left. And I don't know if it's because of a Legion of Myth issue or if it's because just life is weird sometimes. But uh, we had a transgender person in Legion of Myth. And it was a struggle to go from he to she. But she presented herself as a she. Mm -hmm. So I did my best to say she, 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 she. But if somebody is saying you're going to call me a they, I say I'll never do that. I will not call an individual a they. And that's why I'm so hot and heavy against the whole, well, if a player does this, they get that. No, you don't need to say that. First of all, it's just bad writing anyway. A player gets this when uh, a player gets this when this is when this other thing is accomplished. It's the right way to write it. You don't need pronouns at all. And that, that's why it really irks me is there's already been 
you've all heard me rant about this too much. Yeah. Um, but but uh, so I have a couple lines in the sand that I that I won't cross, mm. but I will find other ways. Like Indigo Dragon said, I'll just call the person by the person's name. Yeah, or I'll just avoid pronouns or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way and be like, if you said, you know, I, I identify as a female, I wouldn't be like, well, he told me and, and DM Bloodworth, he said, no, I would just be like, DM Bloodworth told me this. And what do you think about that? I mean, I can talk without utilizing that anyway. That's mm-hmm. the best you're going to get out of me because I just don't recognize that nonsense behavior. And then if you really come to me and say, oh, I go by Z and it, I'm not using baby talk. It's that's exactly yeah. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, exactly on the same page as that. It's um, yeah. This individual, <laughs> you know, um, you know, this person, this individual, or by the name, I'd prefer to use just the person's name. Oh, but, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a, my I'm absolutely a big fan of this. <laughs> no, no. Here's why I'm 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 actually a fan of bringing back thee and thou because how many times have you had to say in life and it, it, I didn't really have this issue growing up, but there's been something for at least ten years, if not twenty years, where you say something like, "So, hey, when you go and do this, I mean, I don't mean you personally. I'm talking you amorphously. You know, you have to have that disclaimer nowadays. With people, like, what do you mean you? What do you mean? You? So that's where thee and thou would be perfect. I would yeah. absolutely love thee and thou to come back. And as somebody who's pretty old, even though I didn't live through this era, I would accept Thon. If anybody knows mm-hmm. of the third person gender Thon or uh, yeah. uh, gender neutral thing Thon, anybody who is who grew up in the 30s to the 60s when that stuff was trying to be pushed, I would accept that because at least it's been documented going way back. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm a big fan of bringing this back. Now I won't talk like that because people would just think I'm silly right now, but if this were to come back, I would be 100% on board with utilizing the and thou for singular you for plural. And Oh my God, language is so much easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. You know, what's funny is I'm going to have to put all of that into segment two now, because we are actually talking yeah. about part of segment two, right. even though this was, this was just supposed to be the advertising side of it. But, oh, but DM okay. Bloodworth has his AD&D 1E Greyhawk campaign uh, on there. You, look, you can see all these things. If you can't see it, well, uh, it's already in the description below. Please subscribe to Unscripted Unchained RPG Review. And uh, after, you have to watch his first, because you have to suffer through it first. As people put in chat, some people couldn't get through this video because it couldn't handle their Their minds were exploding over what was said on there, and they preferred the commentary. So we did some commentary on it as well. But I think DM Bloodworth did a great job of having a good civil discussion while still putting the points out there. And we're going to get more into this a little bit later in segment two. Um, where we're going to talk about some of those points. But before we get into that, anything else you want to say about your, your page or are we good to move on? Nope, good to move on. All right. So I'm going to stop sharing this for just a moment. Okay. To actually move us into segment two, even though <laughs> I, I'm actually going to keep all that in for segment two because I think it's you know, so we don't have to repeat ourselves. We'll see, though. Here is the disclaimer. You can read it. You can love it. You can know it. You can pause it. But this content is not made for children under the age of 13. And... Of course, you can find us on the discords and the locals and the red bubbles and so forth. Buy our merch. That's just that's just five options below. We've got 30 items. Well, got thousands of items, really, but 30 different designs. Oh, thank you. You dropped something. <laughs> My wife gave me a drink. Uh, and you can follow us here, there and everywhere. Sorry for the Odyssey people. I don't have Odyssey up today. So yeah, seven hours of commentary. Yeah, hey, you know what? If the Asians represent uh, live stream didn't get anybody where we took a half hour and made it four hours. 
Uh, and of course, we have 3,000 subscriber giveaway. Those are five hardcover books we are going to give away to five different people. And we're, we're starting to add gift cards to the mix because I can only ship these books to United States addresses, which includes APOFBO. We love our military people, so APOFBO counts as well. But uh, I can't ship a book like that to the UK or, or Russia. Uh, but yeah. All right. Now, segment two. Let's put the segment two frame up. A little late on that. So the first thing I want to talk about in segment two is, I don't even remember. Um, so I'm just going to go with what is here. I did an unboxing video of Infinitale Chronicle. There we go. Now it's not uh, Infinitale Chronicles. Now I'm not a comic book guy, but I was asked to make a comic book review of this. So it's going to be quick, down and dirty. Do you do comic books, uh, Dan Bloodworth? you comic book guy? I did um, I did some of a series of a uh, Barry Windsor Smith. Uh, not Barry. I'm sorry, not Barry. Uh, Roy Thomas okay. wrote a um, wrote a book where he was breaking down the whole process of writing each of the uh, the Conan comic books okay. uh, that that he did. So uh, I did start covering that, uh, and every once in a while, I'll grab a um, I'll grab an old Savage Sword. Or an old uh, graphic novel that I have, and and kind of just run through that. Almost all of it, always uh, a Robert E. Howard uh, based. Uh, usually around his birthday, I'll I'll do a video on that. But Is that's, anybody that's else having comments. problem with my audio? Because this popped up. If this has been a thing, and nobody's been telling me, I can hear you fine. Um, but he says my audio keeps popping. Every other word. I haven't heard any problem with yours. Okay. Well, I, wow, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm not a comic book guy. I, I support Comicsgate. That's the thing is I support Comicsgate. And the only, so let me tell you why I bought this comic. Why did I buy Infinitale comic? If I'm not a comic book person and I can't buy everybody's comic book out there just because they come to me and say, hey, I'm making a comic. It's because it reminds me of ElfQuest. There's one comic I did collect back in the day. It's the only comic books I... Uh, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if they got lost in all my different moves or whatever, but I did have the first 30 of ElfQuest and uh, I think eight of the Blue Mountain ones, whatever came after that, and, and I liked it. But that was way back in the day. And unfortunately, those are long since gone. It kind of reminded me of, of ElfQuest. So it has a fantasy vibe to it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be up front with everybody right now. Just because you make a fantasy comic book doesn't mean I'm going to buy it. I don't have the money I used to when I lived in Germany. You know, taxes in the States are a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, so my review of it is, is this, and, and here's a couple reasons why I'm a bad comic book reviewer. My expectations of comics are too high. I, they just are. I don't want to pay money for something where I don't have the complete story. I'd be better off at, uh, at reviewing a graphic novel, or at least have something from beginning to end. So usually when I do a quick review of a comic, people are like, that's how comic books are written, you idiot. Okay, but that's why I don't do comic books. You get what I'm saying? So my review of this is very, very simple. It is an introduction. That is all it is. It is a good introduction. It is what I would consider for the purposes of a comic book, a well-written introduction. Your mileage may vary. I'm, I actually like this. I'm going to tell you right now, I liked this better than I like Starblades. Now, Starblades art, you can't go wrong with Kyle Ritter's art at all. Um, but reading this, I, I liked where it was going. It was too quick for me. There again, that's just the nature of comic books, not the nature of this comic book. Like that, that's just where I struggle. Like, like it was too quick. It's like, wow, that was a leap of like, we hate you. Okay, we're gonna be buds now. You know, kind of thing. It's like the whole Anakin Skywalker thing and then the third Star Wars movie. 
you're my buddy, Obi-Wan. I hate you. <laughs> it's like, what the hell happened? You know, uh, like, wow, that was a, I don't like transitions like that, but it's a comic book. So I would tell you, if you, if you like stories of elves and uh, what looks like other little ram-headed monsters, no, uh, let's call them divergent elves. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I don't remember the name of the race, but it seems like they're kind of part of the same species. It's got a theme, it's got a theme of, uh, of gods. Like, wait a minute, we've been worshiping false gods? Uh oh, what's going on here? And they're going to go try to find the mystery of that. Hey, at least that's where it seems right now. It's an introductory book. It is is generally well written. The art is consistent. Uh, I don't know if it's your style or not, but uh, I like it. I'm just going to tell you right now, I like this comic book for what it is. And to get me to say that I like a comic book, well, pretty much any comic I buy, I'm going to say I like because I buy like four comics a lifetime. So <laughs> I did not. Okay, um, I, I will. Uh, uh, Chris, let, let me uh, let me read this because Super Chats come first and then I will answer that question. I'll put it up on there. So, hey, boss, I know you're not a comic guy, but I think uh, heavy metal magazine would take good care of you. Just one magazine for the budget. Maybe uh, I'll look into that. I'll, let me write that down. Heavy metal magazine. Is it like the, the old uh, thing with John Candy in it? I'm going to look at that note and think that I was looking up some metal bands or something. <laughs> But thank you very much. And thank you for the $5 super chat. Really, really appreciate that. You are awesome. Uh, Michael is trying to creep up on Crafty's, uh, you know, donation limit here. So I appreciate that. Did you manage to get the alternative card? No. So here's what, uh, but the Infinitale Chronicles, uh, well, one of them, uh, sent me a direct message. I haven't responded back yet because I'm a jerk. No, uh, uh, saying that I should have the alternate covers as in poster form and another mailer. So in a way, even better because I really like the, the, those other covers. This is not a bad cover. I know somebody's going to be like, well, you don't like this cover? No, it's not a bad cover. But that just tells you the, how good those other ones were. So, okay. I stopped buying comic books a long time ago. Yeah. You decided to tell in the span of 15, the last one. So, yeah, right. I agree with that. That's kind of my take on the whole Star Wars thing as well. Uh, all right. Uh, inspired by the film. Okay. All right. All right. The other thing I wanted to do before we get into the deep and heavy part is I'm going to play a video. To be fair, I have watched this video, but I want to give Grim Jim some love because I haven't been talking about him recently. He's had his health stuff and so forth. And, and, uh, share put that up there and so people who know know i back white chester and i just want to play this because i'm still excited for white chester and he's got an announcement on here and i want to make sure that a couple more people probably anybody watching my shows watch grim's show anyway but just in case uh let's put up here and let's see his announcement for white chester and it's going to be it's about six minutes i think i'm only gonna play about five minutes of it but you know if you're not interested go get a cup of coffee or something right now of course, let me know if you can't hear it. I right, this part, it's fairly good-natured and peaceful. As long as you come in that kind He's of spirit, talking about his Discord. you'll be fine. Hello, lovelies. Before I give you a quick update on how things are going with Whitechester, we're about four-fifths done with the main book. The Morkborg alternative rules are finished. You can get a little preview of some of those over on T-Shirted Historian's channel where I ran a Morkborg game. Um, still need to do the Lamentations alternative rules. So that's that's a good chunk of work that's still waiting to be done. 
the monsters will still need to be mostly generated largely these are zombie variants ghosts and, uh, and other things it's not a huge amount of work it's just dull <laughs> that's the that's the only thing however exciting the monster is hey pause that for a second that's one of the things that i've struggled with writing my games is he's absolutely right um when i when i'm doing like my osr conversion you know or the earth done rules we'll call it the step system rules not really earth done uh step system rules into an osr type format and so forth i got totally burned out while going through the red box of you know od and the, the Beckme D&D, where I had to write all those cleric spells. I mean, you can't copy and paste because, first of all, you just can't do that. But secondly, I also have to convert them to a step system format. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I saw the list of wizard spells, and I said, I'm out. <laughs> like, I gotta, I'm going to work on something else for a little bit before I come back into this. I'm, I'm going to finish it, but I was like, I, I, can't, I can't deal with that. So I completely agree with what Grim is saying there. And I'm glad nobody's backed me because I'm not looking for backers yet because uh, I would feel so much stress on that stuff. I, I, I seriously, I had so much burnout. I said, I quit. I quit. Finagling the, the stat blocks is just always dull. <laughs> um, now I did need to bring in some help with the writing to get it done on time. Some of those people are showing me up with the quality of their work. But even so, don't worry. You're still going to get my style uh because i'm obviously editing and adding to what people are providing for me so yeah that that that's great and it is very generous of people to to help me out but i do need to pay them i believe very strongly that people should be paid for their work uh some people have nicely volunteered to to give their work to me for free um i'd prefer that i still pay them something but but even so um, back. By the way, I I intentionally stopped it there because one could do comment. I'm not trying to do this to have you guys view me and not Grim. In fact, I want you guys to go to Grim's uh, page, and I will I will do that after this video is done. Go give him a like, a subscribe. If nothing else, at least like this video. Do that for him. Uh, I'm only doing this to give you know to help people get an update on Whitechester. If you backed it, I backed it. I think even Heathen Dog backed it. And Heathen Dog doesn't back anything. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, it, it, Check that out. Uh, I don't know if he's doing any other type of pre-order or anything for it. You can talk to Grim about that. But uh, again, I am looking for 500 pages. If you haven't caught that yet, or if he hasn't said it yet, it's 500 pages. In fact, he's going to have a little comment about that at the end of this. So. Uh, where's my play? Oh, over here. <laughs> that has had a bit of a bit of a knock-on effect, though. Any additional money was supposed to be earmarked for artwork, and. Obviously, now it can't be, so it's going into the writing, which means I'm going to have to use some stock art and so on, uh, even though, again, some, some generous people have donated some art. Fortunately, I have this huge catalogue of stock art, much of it by one of the artists who was already working on the book, so it shouldn't be too jarring, and a lot of it is very appropriate, and I'll, I'll be very selective. Um, but it won't have quite as much new, shiny art as people were perhaps hoping or expecting for, but I think I think it's more important to get the writing right here. The book does need to stay at 500 pages, and there is a risk of going over that, in which case some of the extra material, like the alternative rules, will have to be hived off into a pan. To the scale 
that I wanted it to be at um, because otherwise I will end up losing money on this project rather than making any. We do not want Grim to lose money. Bulk means additional postage, means additional weight, uh, and all these other issues. Now, there may be a delay. I'm hoping to still get everything done by February. But, you know, there's, there's Christmas and New Year's, and I've had my unexpected health issues with the hypertension and everything. I see a specialist in mid-December. I may have to have a minor operation at some point. So obviously this can impact time for recovery and, and everything else. So I'm still hoping for a February. Whoever backs a Kickstarter and doesn't expect it to be delayed anyway. <laughs> like I, I've, I have never backed a Kickstarter. I, I don't think unless, unless the people said, Hey, it's already done. We're just doing this to see what we can get out of it and get you your stuff. I have never backed a Kickstarter that wasn't delayed. So yeah, I, I, that's just kind of an expectation. Some of them, there's one that I ordered like four years ago that I'm still waiting on. It may have been shipped. I'm gonna have to figure out what's going on with that one or something. It's a board game and I don't even do board games, but it's something that I wanted to kind of have promoted on the old Legion with weekly live stream, which hasn't been around for almost two years now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just Kickstarters are what Kickstarters are. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. release but you should gird your loins that may be one to three months over but it shouldn't really be any more than that that's it who knows you know i anticipated certain medical issues that might arise i didn't anticipate this so yeah um that's also necessary to stretch out the money because the longer I go over, the more money I can get in to spend on the extras and maybe some of the additional art and so on. But we're largely on course. But now, there's your update. Zang. Boom. All right. That's our update. I just wanted to put that out there because I think there are a few of us that uh, back Whitechester. I don't, I don't know if Dan Bloodworth did. I don't want to um, call him out in case he didn't. I absolutely <laughs> did. Awesome. Um, I actually, I really, really like, uh, you know, James's work. It, it's, mm -hmm. you know, great stuff. Uh, I have quite a few of it, you know, quite a few of his things. Uh, the the World of Gore RPG. I have. Uh, That's right. You actual, showed that off on. Yeah. Our, on... Yeah. Um, actual fucking monsters, which I love. Um, there's also um, Lamentations of a Space princess machinations of a space princess um i i also have that and uh looking forward to this here too because it's 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 a setting you know with a um you know with a the game attached to it i think it's mostly setting though and that's why yeah, yeah. it's probably very easy to transition it from you know one game system to another which some modifications which he was talking about the, the reason why why I'm looking so forward to this is because while I might not use it word for word, you know, and how he writes it and so forth, mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge Ravenloft fan. But I always thought that even back in the day, Ravenloft it was a bit cartoony, like because gothic horror isn't so much my thing. Mine's more visceral mm -hmm. horror. Uh, you know, I, I okay, they got goofy. I get it, uh, but the concept behind Hellraiser or the Saw movies is more me. Mm -hmm. uh, uh not, not so much freddy krueger or uh i don't know i'm trying to trying to think of something more modern but uh Child's i can't play. It, yeah yeah uh 
so I, I, I like things like that. And, I, and, and Grimm has a way of writing that into his style without just being mm-hmm. gratuitous about it. So I, I like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't wait to get it. I can't wait to, to implement that stuff into my games and uh, maybe turn like a Ravenloft setting, you know, utilizing what he has to offer there. And actual fucking monsters is something that uh, is so me. I don't know why I don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Playing the monsters, knowing that you're eventually going to die because the heroes are going to come and take you out. But you know doing what you do during you know before that point sounds yeah. awesome it's like it's it's the evil campaign without having to sully your dungeons dragons game or whatever you know right so. yeah yeah the concept of that is what really sells it for me too mm-hmm. and you know the fact that uh no you're supposed to see how much carnage you can actually perpetrate uh before <laughs> they catch you and kill you um you know so it, it's awesome awesome concept behind it this again. I, you know, I, I wish Hellraiser could be remade without woke nonsense in it. Like, like let's now use CGI, <laughs> but uh, I, to really involve what it is. But I like the story of Hellraiser. Um, you know, I'm not saying certainly not high art, but you know, yeah, Hellraiser would make a great source book for Call of Cthulhu. Oh yes, 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 and that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I have such sights to show you, Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we talked about White Chester. We talked about Infinitales. I hope my my semi review of this wasn't wasn't upsetting for people. Like, as in, that's not a real review. I I don't know what else to say. Um, but I, I'm happy with it. Uh, I will probably back the next one, depending on my financial situation. That's really what it's going to come down to. Uh, the only other kind of news of import. I haven't decided for sure, but Crafty, you know, and Crafty does a lot of backing to us. So we take, you know, what he says with, uh, with, you know, a little bit more seriousness um, for the, we don't have anything for the rest of the month, but we might, uh, we might cover some of the chapters in this between me and heathen dog and just put our thoughts on, I don't want to do all the chapters simply because there are like 17 of them. And uh, 2022 is going to be our year of palladium books. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know if it's going to be the entire year, but that's how we're going to start it. We're going to bill it as the year of palladium books and maybe we'll only do one game. I don't know. So, and the Detroit Lions just beat the Minnesota Vikings 29-27 because Minnesota, if there's a way to lose, they, they try so hard to lose, they sometimes fail at it, but man, they do a good job of it. Good job, Vikings, giving the Lions first win of the year. Fuck. Oh, uh, yeah. My Vikings. That's, that's how you know. You know what? Any Minnesotan can, can handle heartbreak because we have the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> All, right. All right, so what is next? So. The next topic is going to be kind of, it's going to be a question that I have because something came up in his interview with, um, with Jay Scott interview or, 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 uh, conversation, conversation, debate, discussion, um, that it did strike me as well. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. When I first heard it, I was like, Oh, that's not quite right. But it kind of got a couple other people into a huge tizzy like name calling type, you know, uh, a tizzy type stuff. And while I'm hyperbolic on, on my streams, I like to rant. Everybody knows that. I also know that when having a discussion with somebody and when you, when you tone it down, we take the conversation to the person. You, you don't do that. You don't just say you're too stupid to talk about a game. If you don't know this fact, whatever. So what I want to talk about uh, today is everybody knows I got, you know, certain hangups with uh, how people do pronouns or English language and how games should be technical manuals and not narrative style and so forth. But that's just a game rule book. So what specifically happened is, uh, and I don't have the quote here. I didn't timestamp it. I, I forgot to do that and I didn't have time to do it, you know, after fact, but uh, is the, uh, 
at one point you talked with uh, Jay Scott and said, hey, uh, to the effect of, and if somebody wants to requote this and get it right, I don't care. It's the premise that matters. And actually, that's the entire premise of the conversation is uh, you said that was it Pathfinder came out in uh, 2001 or something like that. I don't know. It basically, um, your, your date was wrong on on how yeah. Pathfinder came out or or you said that K uh, Pathfinder came out. Um, to compete, I don't know. I said, I said, I said, yeah, I said Pathfinder, um, and, and I didn't know the chronology of it. I said Pathfinder came out as a result of the OGL, all right, um, which apparently the OGL came out much earlier than that. OGL was more of a, you know, came out uh, from third edition D&D, &D. Uh, still don't have all of the um still don't have all of the uh you know the chronology so i'm I'm just looking here so ogl was originally published by wizards of the coast in 2000 all right um i knew it was by ryan dancy all right because i i know my i first learned about the ogl uh during pathfinder online's uh production during its uh alpha stage and such, and Ryan Dancy was at the head of uh, Goblin Works, who was producing, uh, who was producing Pathfinder Online, and that's where I, I first became aware of uh, the OGL. Now, if if you've been following my channel, you know I've been doing this now for you know close to uh, four or five years now. Um, I. I had a hiatus from tabletop role-playing games from roughly 1989 until 2015. All right. Throughout that time, it was specifically, I, I was specifically dealing with uh, uh, either console role-playing games, you know, and, and other games too. So, you know, PlayStation, um, Sega, you know, and such, you know, on through into the, you know, 1990s or so, then gaming and shift to uh, massively multiplayer online games uh, from basically 2000 to 2015. So from 89 roughly to 2015, no real contact at all with what was going on with Dungeons and Dragons or any other tabletop role-playing game. It was specifically just computer gaming. Now, what brought me back to tabletop role-playing games was the experience that, that I had with uh, Pathfinder Online, all right, in 2013, 14, and 15. So for that two-year time that they were um, that they were working on the game, uh, and I kind of got burnt out from MMOs in general. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's what that's what brought me to the point of I was like, you know what, I'm done with this. I, you know, I played Eve Online for 12 years. You know, I had, um, you know, World of Warcraft on and off for probably about six or seven years, and um, and and all of the other ones thrown in between. You know, where City of Heroes and you know Age of Conan and and such. So dozens upon dozens upon dozens of multi you know massively multiplayer online games uh including ddo as well uh you know dungeon and dragons online as well but uh i just got burnt out by them and it was an exchange that i had on um 
on Paizo's official forums that um, brought me back to tabletop role-playing games. And it was, it was specifically just to give you kind of a general sense of what brought me back in. Uh, someone told me not to, or was telling the community, uh, we should not play this role-playing game. All right. And, and it was Mifrog. It was Mifrog, you know, uh, don't play this game. This game is, is a horrible game. It's a terrible game. And, um, and we, we need to have a call to arms to boycott playing this particular game. Now I'm, I'm pretty contrarian. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> you tell me not to look at something. I'm going to look, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm an educated person. I'm a teacher. I want, you know, I want to see something for, you know, for with my own eyes and my own experience before I, I cast a judgment on it. You know, so I looked at the game, you know, I was like, wow, it's only 10 bucks for the entire rule book. It's only 10 bucks. All right. So bought it, read through it. I was like, all right, I could see where people, you know, you know, it's certainly a based game. You know, it's certainly, you know, he doesn't give, you know, the author of Bark Vickerns doesn't give a crap about what anybody says about him or, you know, his beliefs, but it wasn't a bad game. All right. The game system itself was actually, you know, fairly solid for somebody who's never written a game before, you know, I could certainly see where, you know, the SJWs or even people not even that far, you know, to the left would take objection to it. Uh, but, you know, bottom line, I looked at it in a very academic way as a game system. And I said, you know what, it, 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 it's got a lot of elements of gameplay that I really like. And then I got into basic fantasy and, and such. And then around that same time, that's when uh, fifth edition first released. And so got those first three rule books uh, for dirt cheap on an Amazon. And, and, and that's what really brought me back into the, the hobby, the tabletop hobby. And then I realized, well, geez, I sold off everything that I had, you know, back around, you know, 1990 or, you know, 95 or you know if i had anything that lasted or close to 2000 that was sold off when i got married and you know in a yard sale i was like well crap now i gotta buy all this stuff that's sitting behind me back again you know and that's why i got back into the hobby so anything that was really occurring from 1990 let's say through 2000 I really have no experience with so I never played never played at the time second edition AD&D uh never played at the uh, time third uh, edition fourth well that was right on the cuffs by that yeah, point yeah. by that 89 point, is when it came out so yeah 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 so 87 I think from 87 to 89 we were playing Twilight 2000 and Call of Cthulhu all right and villains and vigilantes our D and D days kind of broke up when we started because we all graduated high school in '85, mm -hmm. you know. And the fact that I was still playing, you know, some role playing games from '85 to '87 was was just with the our, my one dungeon master and maybe one of our other friends before he went off into the navy. So our party group kind of broke up, and that was you know that was the end of it, you know. And um, so. I, I know the person who's who's complaining, and he's a he's a nitpicker 
there's more to, than, to be fair there's yeah. more than one but okay. yeah yeah, the, the, you, so, you're talking about the loud voice. Well, now, yeah. now my block voice. I've never blocked yeah. anybody so thoroughly yeah. in my life. And yes, I know blocks are easy to get around. It's not the point. But uh, what anybody should take from what I just said is I don't block people. I don't block people that disagree with me. I, I block porn only because that gets me in trouble. But uh, I, uh, every opportunity now, I'm just so done with this person that I've given this person more opportunities than I give family members uh, when it comes to being an asset. And if you think that being an asset is okay, constantly, all the time, even behind closed doors, if you know, then fine. I, I don't need, I don't need you in my life at all. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. It, on, let me switch on a light real quick because it's sure. starting to get dark here. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to do at the same time, there's, there's the reason I haven't been putting up chat is I actually want to, uh, there's a couple things I want to put up yeah. in the meantime here. So somebody did ask, are you uh, Megaverse or just Riffs Earth? I don't do Riffs, so I'm not covering anything Riffs. That'll be Heathen Dog. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, not that I'm anti-Riffs. It's just, it's not a big thing for me. I was an old Robotech and and, uh, uh, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles person, Mormon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and After the Bomb. So we're going to try to cover the gamut until, basically until we get bored. And we're going to kind of do it like we did Castles and Crusades. We're going to start at the beginning. We're just going to go through a book. And the first one we're doing is the Mechanoids. Now, we're doing the reprint of the Mechanoids, not the Rifts thing. We're doing um, the, the blue book of the Mecha, uh, the Mechanoid Invasion, or whatever it's called. We're going to start there. And then from there, I don't know. As far as comparing first and second edition Palladium Fantasy, I don't know because I think that would take a bigger deep dive than either of us are ready for because I don't, he might, but I know I don't know those direct rules well enough to just know the differences in between them and i don't know if i want to take the time to research that i will talk to him though and uh and, and see what he says if he wants to do that then then we'll figure that out but uh, our plan is to at least hit a couple different games uh he's much i wouldn't call it a fan but he's much more in tune with ninjas and super spies than i am i actually don't like ninjas and super spies but yeah uh all right, so that uh, I wanted to keep that uh, on here without all the scrolling and so forth. Uh, but uh, to kind of get this back on track, my understanding is, and I'm saying understanding because I, I literally don't care about the history of this, mm -hmm. is that um, Paizo made uh, Pathfinder because when D&D &D said, hey, we're going to 4E, they're like, wait, we make this magazine for you and people still want to play 3.5. What is your problem? And so they continued on the tradition of 3.5 through Pathfinder, oversimplifying. But I'm going to actually ask uh, Jim Bloodworth or Dan Bloodworth here in just a second, once I get through this chat, uh, about oversimplifying stuff as well. Um, some of that stuff there, some of that stuff there. Yeah, about this, the same. Yeah. So a lot of us, I mean, I didn't leave the gaming hobby so much as I had to put it on a back seat between about 2003 when I went to Quaid, although I did play there too. Uh, 2003 and 2016, I think it was. Um, where I played at conventions and I played here and there. I couldn't find a group that I actually enjoyed and so forth. So I, I was kind of in the same boat, but I did see, but I did get all the additions. I did keep up my, you know, with my friends that played and so forth. I keep saying, and so forth. I've been noticing that when I've gone yeah. back and watched some of my videos, I say, and so forth. Like, I guess that's my catchphrase. That's for you, Avenger. Cause I saw your video and catchphrases. <laughs> uh, let's see anything else in here that I want to pop up. Uh, I'm an addictive person. I don't know if I start playing it. Yeah, that, that's. I'm kind of like that. Yep. <laughs> Let's see. Kevin Despleum doesn't give an f about being PC. Uh, yeah, but he does. He does have a writing style that. Well, he he needs editors. <laughs> One of the things I'm doing is I am not making a better game than Palladium. Okay, can can somebody clip that? I am not making a better game than Palladium, but I am 
I am fixing how it's written, at least for me. If it doesn't work for you, I don't care. Um, but because he has been known to be litigious in the past, I'm being a little careful about this, and I am changing enough things to where he can't sue me. But you will recognize it. Uh, recent completed collection, picked the last four. I, I have just the main book. Well, and the monster's guide. I don't even know if you can buy that monster, that green monster manual anymore. Uh, but uh, maybe you can. But I, I'm not. I, if I'm going to play fantasy, honestly, I'm not going to play Palladium Fantasy. Not that I hate it. It's just uh, I think I have other things I'd rather play than Palladium Fantasy. But I do like it for my TMNT, and I will admit that Rifts has a, has. I understand why Rifts sells well. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Not a better game, but a better book. Yeah. Uh, that that's kind of what I'm doing, but I just don't want to get sued. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, all right, so the context that I want to put this in, because I think that uh, DM Bloodworth would be a great history there of, of you know, where, where his framework came from when talking to JSG is, is here's the thing. There's a difference. You guys hear me harp a lot about writing a technical manual. When you write a technical manual, you do these things. You're concise, you're consistent, and you're accurate. Mm -hmm. Concise being very important. Guess what's not important in a narrative style or a conversation? being concise. In fact, sometimes being concise is a problem because you have to have the understanding outside of it, which is why I am very verbose, especially in my emails, um, because you have to put that stuff. You, you, you have to have context. And that's what this, the point of this is going to be. In fact, I'm going to move this over here. Sorry, it's gonna make it a little bit harder for me to read chat because I have some notes on here and I want to make sure I get these notes out. And uh, there's gonna be a part uh, where I asked GM Bloodworth a question. But I want to. But I want to start with this. Language is contextual communication. Mm -hmm. A technical manual is its own context. It's a step by step, or it's a how to, or it's a let's learn. It's something to say. I have to be as clear as possible for you. That's it. Factually, must be on. If I say put, uh, you know, step forward with your right foot three feet, because that's that's a necessity. Not stand up, step on a landmine. That three feet is important. Mm -hmm. But if we're out walking outside, uh, you know, on a sidewalk, I'm like, hey, you know, uh, people take, uh, take three foot steps, but his are two, uh, two foot six or five foot because he, he walks like a weird lurch person. That doesn't fucking matter. The, con the context is, hey, you know, your step is about three feet. As you're walking, you know, if you want a rough estimate what 10 feet to take three steps, maybe add a little bit more onto it, call it a day. You don't need the precision. A technical manual, a game rule book, needs to be clearly written concisely and accurately, as I put here again, uh, because it's meant to be a, a legal rule book of, of sorts. Narrative, on the other hand, paints a picture in your mind. It is a description. It is exposition. It is a simile or a metaphor of what you're talking about. It doesn't have to be perfect. So the fact that I'm probably not getting this right either, but DM Bloodware said that uh, that uh, Pathfinder came out in 2001. That 2001 thing wasn't important to that conversation at all. It was just making the point that things happened at that time. That so happened to be one of them to say that not everything was Gygax oriented. Mm -hmm. And my last little point on this, and then by, by all means jump in, is sometimes, and this is me now, I like to use exaggerated 
versions of those methods, of that exposition, of those similes, of those metaphors, because it puts a stronger picture. Now your brain is thinking about it. It gives, it elicits that emotion because you remember things better when emotion is involved. doesn't matter that it's factually accurate. If I'm giving a history lesson here, a specific history lesson, on this day this happened, on this day that happened. And so this is my question for GM Bloodworth, and then I'm going to shut up and let him talk for a little bit because I probably gave him a bunch of talking points there, is the Roman Empire. We can talk about when the Roman Empire fell. Is it safe to say that the Roman Empire fell because barbarian hordes conquered Rome? Yes. Okay. Is it safe to say that I don't agree with that? I will tell you that the Roman Empire fell not because the barbarian invasion, but fell before then because of internal politics, because the soldiery was out here. They brought the foreigners in. Half the half of Rome, actually, I think it was more than that, but uh, was actually not Roman anyway anymore. So the soldiers were out here worrying about their lands on the borderlands. And people who were on the borderlands were actually inside the country anyway and had all types of weird imperial politics and, and just craziness going on that really has nothing to do with the barbarian invasion. That was just the final result. Would that be accurate as well? Yes. On a very general level. So how, yeah. can, how can those two things that disagree with each other be accurate? Because one is, uh, one is a much more in-depth and nuanced and the other is a very simplistic but still accurate expression. Do they both tell the story of, hey, in around 450 B, uh, AD, uh, at, at some point around that point, the Roman Empire fell, uh, we started to enter the Dark Ages, Europe changed. Sure, but there is still the West or the Eastern Roman Empire. That isn't. But contextually, if we say that, we're not mistaken because it's just an overall concept. Am I correct or no? No, no, you're, you're correct. Uh, I'll give you a, a good example. Fourth grade history, U.S. history, is, uh, you know, is the colonial era. All right, here in New York State, your, your, your state might be different. All right. Eighth grade history is, uh, or actually I should say seventh grade history, uh, is U.S. history, colonial era. All right, here in New York State. Eleventh grade is all of U.S. history you know, from colonial era all the way up through as far into the modern era as you could possibly get. Um, although I've never gotten quite past Vietnam, um, you know, teaching from, you know, the, the whole scope of it. Now, the colonial era is taught in all three grades. The fourth graders do not get the same content that the 11th graders do. All right. They they don't get they get Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. OK. OK. The 11th graders get what Abraham Lincoln was only willing to free the slaves in the states that were currently in a state of rebellion because he could not re release the slaves as the president of the United States under the Constitution. He had to do it as the commander in chief. Same okay. man two different hats the constitution gave him the authority under as the commander in chief because the slave states were slave uh were only the ones in a state of rebellion all right the border states the states that did not secede from the union he did not have that authority to do because the constitution still protected property rights all right you don't teach that to fourth graders. 
they will not understand all of that content. And, is it, get, and, and if you're just having a generic yeah. conversation about the era, is it even important to that conversation no, anyway? It's not because the, the end result is still the same thing. Did he free the slaves? Yes, he did. All right. That's and and all people that's... can quibble on that too. Exactly. Like I've seen people quibble. Yeah. Well, he actually didn't care, but one way or the other, but again, course, not yeah. important to the yeah. conversation. Yeah. So, so the, the bottom line is, is that if what we're, we're talking about, number one, we're talking about games. <laughs> all right. Uh, and number two, um, it was, it was, again, it was something that they came uh, very organically you know, that, that topic came up very organically. Um, I did not go into it expecting to talk about the history of the OGL. Um, I, I don't even think I tied it a date to it. Uh, I didn't say in 2001 the OGL was released. Okay. I, I thought it was attached to the release of um, or around the time period of 4th edition and Pathfinder um, coming out. Pathfinder used the OGL in order to produce Pathfinder. At least that's my understanding of it, though. Um, so that would have put it around. And that's why Pathfinder 1 is often called um, D&D uh, 3.75. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so that came in between, you know, so it's around that same time frame. Or, and it was certainly conceptually the same, the same idea. It was they used the OGL to create a new game. And where did they get the OGL from? Ryan Dancy. Did Ryan Dancy go from Wizards of the Coast to Paizo? Yes, he did. All right. Um, now what the actual, you know, chronology of all of that taking place, I don't know. I still don't know. I didn't look it up, you know, and pick through it and match up, you know, uh, you know, dates of this occurring and that occurring and, and get that research done. I am not presenting myself as an expert on the history, an expert of the game systems. I present myself as DM Bloodworth, a dungeon master or a game master of the games. That's what I do. I run games. And and right. have you have you run successful games? Have your games oh, lasted more than six oh, sessions? Oh sure, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's like, but that that's where I come from. I'm I, I'm a collector of games. I I I read many of the games, but I have games behind me that you know I've bought and I haven't had a chance to read yet. You know, I have games that are behind me that I will probably never run. All right. Um, but I wanted to have them in order to take a look at them or 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 just to have, you know, the nice to haves that I want behind me. You know, will gotcha. I run OD&D? You know, certainly not from the white box behind me. Um, you know, that's going to stay, you know, as, you know, in its current condition. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll bust out the the PDFs if I want to. But I probably wouldn't do that anyway. I, pro I don't see the need to go back and run that. So, yeah, I'm a DM. All right, that's that's what I do. Even my channel, my channel's name, unscripted and unchained. I, I came up with that channel name based on the fact that I was showing video games as I was experiencing them first, you know, for my first time. So that's why my channel, I do box openings 
and I do um, I do first looks. Oh man, when I was doing video game streams, yeah. people would lose their shit over <laughs> how I was playing them. I would have in the stream first look, blind yeah. playthrough, all yeah. those little things, and people like, oh my god, you not know how to fucking blah blah blah. I even had a big thing on there. It yeah. says, "Don't backseat game me." I'm I'm playing I'm playing blind. I don't want yeah. your information, and people would still freak the hell out over how i played these games like did you not read the description all well even a noob should be able to see what's on the screen you know and i'll tell you i, I learned something stream math right you know he's not gonna i've talked about stream math whereas sometimes you get two plus two equals five because you know the brain is just working 100 miles an hour in here well things that you don't miss when you're playing by yourself there it, it just happens you miss it when you're playing on a stream right yeah yeah and and that's that's literally where unscripted you know, and Unchained came from. It's unscripted because I haven't seen the freaking game yet. I'm I'm actually showing it to you my first time seeing it as well. I can't tell you the number of times that uh you know give you a perfect uh the road warrior on on Steam. All right, the road warrior loaded up all ready to do a stream on it, opened up the game, couldn't run the game. The steam, the steam key would not work or whatever. I actually had to get it refunded. All right. Um, but I but I had started off that uh that recording ready to roll it out on my channel. Discovered right then and there, I can't run this game. All right. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So there's that's where the unscripted came from. The unchained means that when I'm going through it, I'm gonna give you my honest review when I'm uh, when I'm reading through it. If something's right, so, dumb, it's dumb. If yeah, something's great, yeah. it's great. Uh, like, I'm not going to outwardly, like, trash something like, oh, this is a crap game. I recommend that you don't get it. But I'm going to point out where I see the problems with it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so I'm about to do one very soon where when people do when people do charts are uh, random charts. Uh, so there's there's one game I'm going to review, uh, do a first look through where the um the npc's alignment chart so this is based on ad and d the alignment chart is based out so this is your alignment chart for rolling up a random alignment for an npc character all right and this was meant for like the civilian population well the person just put it in you know in the you know a d100 roll where in the 50s you had chaotic evil i was like don't you know when you roll a d100 you know what's going to come up a lot it's chaotic 50? evil yeah <laughs> it's going to come up chaotic evil you know so the and and that's where they kind of put all of the alignments you know so all of the evil alignments just happen to fall within you know the chaotic evil neutral evil lawful evil and it occupied from like 45 to 65 i was like don't you realize that's that that's the number out? one area to roll? <laughs> yeah, I said, don't you realize that your population is going to end up being, you know, predominantly evil? No, you have to take chaotic evil and put it at one, two, and three percent, and lawful good at one hundred ninety, you know, ninety-eight, uh, ninety-nine, ninety. Doing my stupid math, uh, you know, maybe, math. <laughs> yeah, maybe do five percent on the lawful good side. You know, and and only like one or two percent on the chaotic evil side, and then in the middle, that's where you're going to put your your neutrals, you know, and, and your you know, and mix them up a little bit. You might have more lawful good, you know, towards the middle of the thing because 
maybe in that society, the average person follows the laws and they're good natured people, you know, so you might want to have them more to the middle. You have to remember the dice roll is more than just, you know, uh, percentages and, and waiting the percentages out. You have to see where you're going to put those, Yeah, especially when you're rolling two dice. In. Right. I, I suppose if you're rolling a D100, it's not such a big deal. But when you start rolling two dice and get those averages in there, I, right. look, I, I'm not I'm not a statistician, so I don't know the absolute math on that one. Uh, but but your point uh, again isn't that you're trashing it. You're just saying, hey, I noticed this, and yeah. there might be a better way to do it. There there are right. certain things that I would trash. Don't get me wrong. Well, percentile dice. I, I get what you're saying, Mark Hawkman. Go away. Uh, <laughs> I, I well, actually, I hate that actually <laughs> shit, man. I just do. Actually. I have. A proper D one hundred roll has equal distribution of yes. all numbers. Yes, but what when you if you're rolling it a thousand times, it's going to come up between. St statistically, he's right, but yeah. but we've played games. That's like the whole thing of uh, uh, people correct me when I say that the West End game Star Wars. I don't like the pips because I feel that having a D six plus two is better than having two D six. I keep people like mathematically that's not true. Well, I'm gonna tell you my fucking experience. Mm. I would rather have that yeah. plus two because I know I'm at least getting a three. <laughs> like, like when I roll two d6, I could get a two. You know, you know, so so when I when I yeah, you you get what I'm saying on that one. Yeah. So I I mean again, it's not always about statistics and math, and that's the other part is there's a lot of context involved. Get great, mm -hmm. by the way, great, because now I can go back into the context thing. Yeah. And in in most cases, if we're having a mathematical statistical conversation, then your autism would be right. But we're not. We're having <laughs> we're having uh, have a conversation that is about this more narrative than technical. It's just to make a point. And a lot of times Points are made out of hyperbole. Points are made out of exaggeration. Heathen Dog has gotten, actually gotten to the point of saying, I'm going to exaggerate to make a point. It does not frustrate me that he says that. I just don't feel he needs to say that because common sense, of course, I'm going to opine something behind that because that's what we do. That's, that's the discourse between him and me. But people will just say things. And if you expect it to be just spot on, perfectly scientific, accurate, go buy a fucking encyclopedia. So specific research facts matter in an educational or legal discussion. They rarely matter to the same degree in a conversation discussion, unless it is like academic or legal training. Yeah. You know, so, so he, so uh, Bloodworth's point isn't, well, maybe on the strictest level wrong, but he's still making a point because of how just games play out. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. You don't have to like it. If you can't accept it, the problem's with you. Yeah. If you need that specific accuracy, don't don't get me wrong. And and here's part of the problem with textual conversation is you can't always see what somebody's thinking, even through emojis. Uh, even though that that is helpful. Sometimes somebody's just exaggerating. Sometimes somebody's trying to make a point. Sometimes somebody is trying to be factual and is wrong. All of that is okay. But when you come when you come at them with the well, actually or you're stupid because you don't know you got this wrong. Well, fuck you. I'm going to continue to be wrong just to piss you the fuck off. Because <laughs> that is human reaction. Don't be a dick about it. Be a little humble because that's how communication works. And guess what, pal? That's the way it's worked for fucking ever. Hmm. And will continue to work whether you like it or not. It is OK to correct people. We need to be corrected where we're wrong. But a lot of times, these little weird nuances don't matter. 
Stop thinking they matter. They don't. And Dean Bloodworth's conversation with J. Scott Garibay on that topic, it didn't matter that he was wrong because the point was completely outside the scope of whatever that fucking date was. Yeah, that's it, where. It, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's, you know, if if I misrepresent something because I'm ignorant of the fact, perfectly fine, then point it out. Say, hey, you know what? That didn't come out during 3.75. That came out during 4.0. You know, fine. Thank you. You know, and, and we move on. Did it have anything contextually to do with the conversation at hand? No, not really. Um, it just had to, it was just making a statement of, you know, OGL was used to make something else. All right. 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 That, that's bottom line. That that's, that's all when it happened or which edition of D and D really spurned it on is, is really irrelevant to the point of the OGL is what allowed for, uh, and actually I, I know even more specifically what I said was the OGL is what allowed for the, um, the, the explosion of the OSR. It really right. opened up the door for people now to, to make their own uh, variations, to publish their homebrews, uh, which is really how it's it's looked at now. Is that you know people now have the ability to go to their um, use the open gaming license to self-publish, and it, it's really made a a populist movement of uh, of game design, if you want to call it that, and uh, and game publication that uh that people can now empower themselves with and use it as i said to jay you know jay scott garibay uh if there's a thousand products being produced are, are 900 of them crap maybe you know but that means that there was a hundred good you know good ideas that made it to publication that we can now all draw upon. And that was the whole idea of it. And, and it's funny. Context. Yeah. Are, are you reading chat? Like chat's, go, <laughs> chat's going off on what I said. Yeah. I know that mathematically it is not correct, <laughs> but I'm telling you that during gameplay, one yeah. D, you know, uh, you know, or two D six plus two felt better than three D six. I'm just saying, yeah. I know, but that that's the point that I'm saying. You can correct me a hundred ways to Sunday. I don't care. <laughs> I personally, when playing the game, will take the mathematical detriment, detriment and I will take the 2D plus 2 over the 3D every time. I will tell you, my experience, it's always worked out better for me. But, but that's, that's the point, though. The point is, those specifics don't matter. Now, the specifics do matter if we are trying to get down to, okay, what is mathematically better? What is actually going to give me the best odds? Well, then Indigo Dragon and everybody else who's posting that in the chat is right. And and that's what I want to get. That's that's the whole point of this is contextually. You have to understand the context. Is something thematic? Look, sometimes no can be yes and yes can be no at the same time. It's all based on context. Sometimes two plus two can equal five. It's weird, <laughs> but the and there's something I want to say about fat. Oh, somebody tried to yell at me. Um, was it last week or the week before about my facts and that my facts, my facts are all lies. Did you know that mistakes and wrong answers are still facts? 
See, people don't understand the word fact. Facts can be completely wrong. Yeah. Facts can be 100% wrong. A lie is a fact. Two plus two equals five is a fact. It might be a bad fact, but it is still a fact. It's just a mistaken fact. Facts don't have to be truthful. We prefer that they are. But uh, so, and then a lot of times those facts don't matter in the context of the conversation. And I, I, I'm harping this point over and over again because I feel it needs to be. You have to have the context. If you don't get the context, ask instead of blaming ask now well max you do all this stuff i'm gonna get to that actually at the end of this discussion here because i'm gonna point something all about my ranting and my raving and how many OGGM sent me a message saying that there have been five videos made about me bullying somebody <laughs> and, and so forth i don't care um historical documents you're, you're a historian historical documents especially before like 500 years ago are, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they more metaphor than truth? Oh yeah, and they were. They were, you know, they weren't exactly vetted, and they weren't, you know, they were just that one individual's impressions, you know, of of what they were observing. It's, you know, there there's always interpretation, and so there's there's no facts, you know, per se, or or you know like concrete facts, uh, we're, we're constantly reevaluating what we were, you know, what we were teaching or how we were teaching it or, you know, whose, uh, you know, whose bias has made its way into the history books. They always talk about that. You know, that's, that's just a, you know, that's just the nature of the thing. It's not, it's, it's not as concrete as two plus two equals four. Right. All right. Um, it, it is, you know, it is, is still a theory, all right, <laughs> um, and, and and it doesn't leave that theory state for the most part. Uh, facts are not truth by definition. Facts are information by definition. Yeah. Information yes, and, and can be wrong. Yeah. Opinion and so is, can, and, is and feeling. Theory, and theories can be wrong, too. You know, a theory is not, you know, a theory is, uh, you know, just... This is my educated guess, <laughs> you know, as to yep. what uh, what we're talking about here. So, uh, nope, that wasn't it. Sorry. Uh, right here. Uh, I think he posted it on our Discord who did it. If not, it's one of the players that you can suspect that likes to follow up other people's videos with his own videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now... Yeah. So, so the, the, the point that, that I'm making here is that contextually... The walls of, of Jericho fell. Now, did it happen because they trampled around it seven times at the army? I don't know. Wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Does it matter to the context that Jericho was defeated? No. Yeah, it just... Uh, it no. doesn't matter how you got to the end result. Right. You know, um, it, it just, Unless you're it, digging to find the specifics. Like exactly, those specific, that's yes. your job. Yeah. yeah. So don't lose the point of your of the discussion. That's mm -hmm. what I'm, I'm kind of segueing here. Don't yeah. lose the point of the discussion through heavy polarized lens and unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. If your expectation that everybody is going to have all the knowledge that you have in your, your noggin mm -hmm. or that everybody's going to research everything, I'm not going to research everything. So if I have bad facts because I talked to Dan Bloodworth, I'm just going to blame him. No, I, it, that, then correct it. But sometimes even when you're right, you're wrong. 
either because you're an asshole or you can't see it as a humble teaching moment, but rather everybody's stupid. I'm the only person who gets it. All right, Rick Sanchez. Good, good luck with that. Yeah. Because sometimes even when you're right, you're wrong. Because you stop people from listening to you. Mm-hmm. When all you do is spurg out, you stop people from listening to you. So how about stop spurging and say, hey, um, here's some facts. Oh, uh, you, you missed, you got this one wrong. Like if I wanted to, if I cared enough to confront uh, DM Bloodworth, I'd be like, hey man, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, Pathfinder actually came out, uh, you know, three, because 3.5 went away, you know? And then he'd be like, I don't care. Or he'd say like, oh, let me look into that. Or he'd say, F you, Max. I don't care what you have to say anyway. Hey, whatever. <laughs> you, know, you know, the thing is, is I don't have to, uh, you know, come out like, oh, some historian. <laughs> like, is, is your specialty in, in Pathfinder history? No, no, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it was just a, it was an off the cuff comment based on something that came up just in that conversation. And I was like, I had no idea that was, you know, that question was a very similar thing came up when, when I, when we had, um, when we had RPG pundit on our, um, on our, our live stream on Friday, uh, the evil DM and myself and, uh, RPG pundit was mm-hmm. on, um, so on two, week, two weeks, yeah, two weeks ago, right? Three, you know, two or three, three, three weeks ago, uh, we had him on and I had brought up, I had brought up a statement that, uh, Gary Gygax had made and I didn't remember which paragraph it came from. And well, the then, same then you're stupid. And you don't know anything. This same individual was like, "Oh, you're, you know," and 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 misrepresented what I actually asked. You know, I wasn't asking uh, RPG Bundin if that um, that statement existed. I was asking him what he thought of it. You know, how did he respond to it? So it was Gary Gygax's uh, statement that game comes first, campaign follows. And then everything else follows that. All right. And, and, and I'll be I'll be upfront with everybody. I don't even agree with that. Yeah. I flip I flip campaign yeah. for a game. Right. Yeah. Like some people might say, well, no, campaign is a little bit more, but but that was Gary's view. Mm-hmm. I had stated that I, I said I was unsure if it was in the forward or the afterward. All right. It's in the afterward. And, and so he went ballistic. That oh you 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 claim to be an expert and you don't know what paragraph it comes from, you know, or or what section of the book it comes from. Didn't misquote what Gary said, just didn't know exactly which section of would you the consider book an Einstein from. an expert? Uh in what? And well science, you know. <laughs> I guess in science, I, I guess Cause, it is because I'm gonna get this quote wrong. Yeah, and I'm just stating that up front. But the general premise of the quote is, and maybe it is right, I don't know, is don't memorize anything that can be written down. Yeah, it's. You know. <laughs> I could really research and grab yeah. the book if it's that important. But again, right. if it's not important to the context, right. it doesn't matter. It's just the premise that mattered. Yeah. So, I, I'm not going to. I don't worry about that kind of thing. I do not present myself as an expert. I don't uh, present myself as uh, a walking encyclopedia of information. <laughs> Uh, I have not specifically studied the history, you know, uh, of this specific, you know, specific topic. I'm just somebody who runs games. 
All right. Um, I run games. I make video about running games. I do first looks. I do box openings. And that's the whole premise of my channel. That's what I do. I, I run games. If you want to know, like, if you want my, my, um, my advice or my ideas about how I run my games and what I found works well for me, there I'm telling you what works well for me. You know, you can take it or leave my opinion, you know, as you wish. But, um, you know, I don't claim to be anything more than that. I'm, a, I'm, so, a, a I'm just going to tell people with this, take that up with Heathen Dog because he doesn't believe in quantum science. I do. So there, <laughs> like, I believe in quantum magic. Uh, no, I think he softened his uh, stance on that recently, but I know he used to hate everything quantum mechanics. He's like, nope, just magic. It's not real. <laughs> but, uh, um, I was going to pull this up. No, I'm not going to pull it up because I don't feel that I have to justify myself to anyone uh, when it comes to this. So, so for the next thing, also understand that your life experiences or the experiences that you have, and by the way, I'm going to put up an experience right now for everybody, which is subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't done it, please be sure to subscribe. Uh, you didn't see segment one, or if you, segment one hasn't been posted on YouTube yet, because it's later, uh, that was about the Castles and Crusades combat system and a final and our final uh, comments on the Castles and Crusades system. But you can subscribe to Legion of Myth for all types of opinion and commentary and so forth as well, as we're doing now. And uh, so... Yeah, I, I have the snip, but I'm not going to do it. So somebody uh, took a snip of something where, oh, no, it's so important that Max was wrong one time that he took a snip and said, oh, he's stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not the exact quote, but that was definitely the implication. Mm -hmm. I took a snip of my screen, too, and I was going to post it. Then I decided, fuck it, I'm blocking this guy from everything to do with my life. I don't have to justify myself. If people want to believe him, I don't care. I don't care if everybody has the same experience as him. My snip will show something different. So I wasn't wrong from my experience. And if he wants to say that I'm wrong, I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> so as much as many of us wish there was, there is literally no requirement, and, and I'm changing topics again here, to research information or to cite any resource. This is YouTube. If you yeah. want to cite it, if you don't like what Dr. Fauci is saying, if you don't like what President Trump is saying, if you don't like what Max Liao is saying, if you don't like what Jenny D is saying, if you don't like what Matt Coville is saying, go fucking research it yourself. This is YouTube. I am not your instructor, and I'm not writing you a fucking thesis. If that's what you want, go find somebody else. Like, I'm having a conversation with people like Dan Bloodworth, and hopefully in segment three, we'll get a couple more people in here. We probably should transition to that pretty soon here. Uh, this yeah. is running a little long. Um, but my point is if you don't like it keep crying and wetting yourself because simple truth is i don't care or make the make your own video of course you're going to do attacking people you know why you're going to do it attacking people because that's how you get the views because people live on emotion and mm. I, I'm, I'm, i want to get to that part and lastly I'm, I'm i skipped some things there because we kind of talked about it already youtube is entertainment I have actually a little sticky on my monitor here. It says, remember, you're an entertainer. Now, I'm not talking entertainer like I'm Dave Chappelle. I, no, I'm also not, you know, uh, uh, Adele or some, you know, God, you wouldn't want me singing. You know? uh, but it's still YouTube. In order to get you guys to watch, I have to tug at the emotion a little bit. Whether you love what I say or you hate what I say or simply thought provoking, which is what I think the interview that DM Bloodworth had with J. Scott Garibay. 
everybody in our line on our side everybody hates jay scott garibay and everybody well has mixed reactions to dm bloodworth because either you weren't hard enough on him or good job because you were respectful the, mm. the, the point is is it tugs at that that uh, that emotional string mm -hmm. he's gonna watch a boring stream so if you don't like the fact hold on where's my segment two thing Oops. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like the fact, look at that second line there. Hyperbole, satire, stereotypes, generalization, and assumptions are often unintentionally used for simplicity and effect. Mm -hmm. That is conversation. That is normal conversation between two people. I don't know anybody that talks to each other. DM Bloodbirth, was your mm -hmm. day statistically uh, acceptable <laughs> to you? Nobody does that. It's like, how yeah. you? It was great. Well, I don't think what you thought was great was great. Or, you know what? That mm -hmm. was great. But that's what sticks in our noggin. Mm. that's how people talk that's how people type if you don't like it make your own shit or get a fucking encyclopedia because you're nothing mm. but spurgan as an autistic weirdo mm. sorry to all the people out there with actual autism you know one um related comment that that was made um another video response i guess to my 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 conversation with um with uh j scott garibay was that uh the only reason why i i did that was to get um was to get uh hits on on the channel like that's why you know that's why any of us do videos is to have other people watch our videos i was like oh not not everybody i don't I, care about my views <laughs> yeah it's like but what, what, i mean well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do want people to watch my videos. I, I think that if I'm interviewing somebody or having a conversation with somebody, I'm having that because I think that there might be some value coming out of it. Do I want people to watch it? Sure. I want people to watch it. Am I bringing him on only because I think that a lot of people will watch him coming on? I, I don't even understand that meant like that, that accusation or the mentality behind that accusation, um, you know, did I bring on Scott Garabee <laughs> so that I'll have 300 views on my video? I have 300 views on a lot of videos, you know? <laughs> I, I, I don't really need, you know, I didn't bring them on for that purpose. You know, I, I have videos with 5,000 views. You know, there there's just, and I have videos with, 14 views and, and to be fair you know, i bet you you would have got more views if you would have cussed them out chewed them out and acted like a, a freak I, I, on there i may have yeah be because people would be like oh my whatever the reaction is good bad otherwise or what yeah. is this moron doing just screaming you know like they like to do with me that's fine uh I, because it, it pulls on that but at the same time there's a balance and everybody's line is different DM Bloodworth's line is different than my line. My line's different than Baron G-Rock's line. Baron G-Rock's line is different than Bruce Lombardo's line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. OGGM and I have completely different lines, mm -hmm. you know, as an example of what is, what is tolerable on the channel. Some people, and actually, this is coincidence, I'm not actually talking about OGGM here. Some people completely sell out. Some people completely say, oh, if you want me to say that, uh, that this is the best thing ever, I will say it. If you want me to say this is the worst thing ever and it gets me the views, I will say it. I don't care. I don't believe in, in what I'm doing anyway. I just want money and views. That's sure. The people are like, I don't care about views. I think that's more what they mean. You know, mm. it's like I'm not going to sell myself out for the views. Right. But I also know that there is an entertainment component to this. Whether mm -hmm. I'm entertaining or not is debatable. Mm. I'm not going to call myself entertaining. I'm not going to say, you know, I find DM Bloodworth's content 
entertaining. Not every single video. Some of it doesn't pertain to me. I find Grimm's uh, gaming stuff entertaining. Mm. I find his political stuff fucking infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but so I don't watch it, but I do watch his gaming stuff because we love Grimm here, even if he yeah. is infuriating. But you get what I'm saying. Like, like mm. I don't watch every video of every person. Um, yeah, like you watch what you like. And if you don't mm-hmm. like what I'm spouting out, if you want to correct me and say, hey, I'm wrong, people have done it in comments before and I've said thank you. But if you do it like an asshat, I'm not going to listen to it. And I'm going to spout out the bad information even more just to fuck with you. Hmm. Yeah, they, I see. I think that's a good quote. Real long shots? <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I'm going to put that up in a second. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So to finish up mm-hmm. on this, then we'll get the people in. And I kind of already said this, but I, but I really want to say it again. I'm a talking head on a platform of a million, billion, gazillion. That's a word now, talking heads. <laughs> you don't like what I have to say, if I don't entertain you, if you get nothing from me, well, thank you for the hate views. Oh. All right, anything else? I mean, we've beaten that dead horse. Anything else yeah. that, 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 that we need to say about that? I, I just, again, there's, there's these misconceptions out there, and there's always one in every crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know uh that and and to be fair for mar hawkman i give mar hawkman a bunch of shit that's because i think he understands how i am and i understand how he is i was not talking about mar hawkman <laughs> so <laughs> even though i did i did give him like because it was a perfect timing of what he did um we love mar hawkman he does a lot of streaming with uh, uh with a heathen dog and so forth so it's all good stuff and that's the thing and if you think that i think i'm an authority well you're right i am See what I did there? <laughs> okay. Let's um any any final words you want for segment two before we move into segment three? Nope. Let's okay. open Let's it jump. up. All right, we're gonna jump in. I am gonna put the link. Oh, wait, you don't have Heathen Dogs access. I have to do everything. Oh my god. I am gonna open up to segment three. So if you want to come in and talk to us, you are welcome to come in and talk to us. <laughs> that is right. There you go. I'll try to catch up some of the chat that I didn't put up on the screen. Hey, I'm not obliged to put everything you guys say on the screen uh but let's copy this copy to clipboard i'm gonna put this in there i am obliged for super chats at the end uh if you want to join us join us for segment three it's there and i will put up so what do you have to do for segment three if you want to join us for segment three please have your microphone under control i work video conferencing professionally it really annoys me when people don't think about the audio attenuation in their room now if you're scared of it don't worry about it i'd rather have you come on and talk to us than not but you know hey if you've got people screaming in the background if you've got dogs barking if you're you know revving your harley that's not the time to come on somebody's stream if you're eating your food, that is not a time to come on my stream. Be a follower, subscriber, stay on topic, be pithy, and watch the language. If I get me kicked off YouTube, that's one thing. If you get me kicked off YouTube, well, I did learn that some people have to understand what the definition... Oh, he didn't talk about that. The whole, I'm threatening and bullying people. Well, you know what? We'll talk about with the Baron G-Rock who popped on in here. I will let you have your say, but don't let me forget to talk about bullying and and uh, what, what, what did OGGM said that this guy said about me? I'm a bully and I'm threatening people and so forth. Eh, whatever. What do you got, Baron G Rock? What do you got for us? Today? You, you, you're such a bully all day long. <laughs> I, I mean, bullied you into here. I said, You will come in here, sir. Oh, wait. I couldn't say no, sir. I, I'm bullying. Eh, I work for a living. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking army. But uh, yeah, the uh, 
going going back to to you know the the interview i already made a comment on the mm -hmm. on our comment video but a I, great I wanna, comment you know you actually you know dm bloodworth i totally respect you for what you did with that interview uh i think you handled yourself very well i i i, I didn't mention it in in the seven hour recap that we did uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for but, staying for that <laughs> But, uh, you know, th th there were a couple times when I saw that you were kind of you what you really wanted to like, like, throw something out there. But, you know, you did show the restraint. I, I think that it, you did very well with it. And, you know, I just wanted to you know come out and you know publicly applaud you for what you did with that. Well, I really appreciate that. And. Your comment at the end of that seven hours stream, uh, I was already unconscious by that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, your 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 comment about, you know, if if Scott Garibay is such a um uh a devotee to um to Gary Gygax, if he wants to truly honor Gary Gygax's legacy, he should be he should be touting or putting his hands on the games that Gary actually touched. And I thought that was an absolute brilliant way to actually shut him down. All right. Or, or to show him, no, no, no. His I think he would rationalize it differently though. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I, he I could, I could picture how he'd do right. it, but, but, like, but I agree. Like I, said, uh, like I said earlier, you know, in this stream here, um, sometimes when you're having a debate with someone, you're you're debating not just to you know not just with the expectation of beating them. Um, that might not even be what you're looking to do. You're just looking to well, let me hear what this person is going to say about my ideas, so I can better counter them or, or shore up my you know my own beliefs you know for the next person that might be actually more reasonable and come to you know attack my points of view. Then fine, I'm I'm better prepared for that. You know, or I might say, you know what, I'm hearing it from a third party now, and maybe I am wrong, and maybe I will make an adjustment. So I, I really took a lot from that. But what I took most from you, um, you know, Baron G Rock, was that, you know, that would have been a, a, a great way. And I don't think he would have been able to at least immediately counter it. Because I mean, there was times when I got him like, like with an expression on his face, like, I don't know where I'm going with that. You know, um, so. But, yeah, but let's I, let's be I, honest. I mean, was was that a debate you prepared for with notes and like you're standing oh, no, doing a political thing? Not. It was it supposed was to be a conversation, right? So you weren't trying to one up him, right? It was completely unscripted and unchained. It was just like, I. It wasn't even the intent of that stream. That stream was meant to talk about: Would you purchase a product from a woke creator? Or, or a creator who became woke over time and a, you know, as opposed to a very based, you know, creator. Hold on when, he, when he came on my stream, I didn't know who that guy was at all. Other people apparently did, but I didn't know who he was at all. And so, yeah, he was saying some things. I was like, what is this guy talking about? And then, you know, Joe put a little bit more pressure on him. And so did uh, even to some degree, Aaron uh, put a little bit more pressure on him. But as the host of the channel, I didn't feel the need to do that. I, again, I say this with all honesty. I will call out somebody I feel needs to be called out. Sometimes you just let the information hang there. 
Mm -hmm. a, a tactic people have used against me and has worked very well is let me rage and then shut up and just let my rage hang there. And then people are like, oh my God, this dude just freaked out over a fucking playing dolls in a, in a hobby of make-believe. <laughs> like, and, and I'm telling you, it, I, I'll sit there and go, shit. <laughs> because I rage intentionally. Like, God, people have known me for years, you know this stuff. You, you guys, a lot of times just see the rage. Know that I don't get butthurt butt or bent out of shape like that. Not to that degree. Except for when I'm just trying to, you know, like, ah, you know, attention here, right? Um, I still hold those beliefs. I still talk with some of those words, but not with that, like, oh, my God, do you think that I would sit in front of Baron G-Rock in, in a respectful environment and say, what the fuck is wrong, you fucking retard, blah, blah, blah? This one dude probably knocked me out. And yes, I've had people say, well, isn't that two-faced? No, because if you watch how I do it, I do attack ideas. And I'd be like, yeah, anybody who believes this is a fucking retard with him sitting right there. Anyway, will you talk about me? If you believe in that, yeah, I'm talking about you. But I wouldn't get into his face because that's not how people act in civil discourse. YouTube isn't civil discourse. YouTube is entertainment. Yep. yep. Have you read the internet? It is something I hate <laughs> memes. God, I hate memes. I know my Discord's going to blow up with memes now. I do. I absolutely, <laughs> I, I don't like them. I think they're stupid. My God, waste your time with something better. But you know what? That's the internet. That's what people do on the internet. They troll and they mean. So, uh, you know, you, I, I can't sit here and be like, well, I don't think the internet should be for porn. Well, it is. Get over it. Uh, well, you know. Hey, Bart Hockman. <laughs> well, one thing that um, someone pointed out to me in uh, things like this, that is something that's very useful to remember, is that when you are having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with a person about something, you are there to influence that individual's perception of the topic that you're discussing are you however well i mean this is a one-on-one man-to-man -on -one conversation without a crowd of witnesses oh, oh fair fair yeah, yeah yeah okay i get what you're saying yeah however throwing a crowd of witnesses um you're really there more for the crowd than the up other person and even if it's you know phrased as if it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation it's really more the crowd or in the case of youtube the viewers who are you know what you're really talking to no, no, go, go on my heart but i'm just i'm just pointing down for oh. chat oh well that that, that was actually <laughs> okay <of> my... <laughs> no no but, but the thing is, is is know your medium know your audience if i stood mm -hmm. up in a president a presidential debate if for whatever reason god wanted to elect me emperor of the united states would i stand up there and be like i tell you what right now damn bloodworth i'd kneecap that son of a bitch and baron g rock i am gonna send the fbi after him and i'm gonna wipe him out i'm gonna take him and his family off the fucking planet i hope he dies in a fire or whatever nonsense that i say all the time no because it's a different environment also as baron g rock and i talked about it at one point here um i think it was on discord i'm not sure uh we're adults we know that sometimes this is just how people talk to each other i mean mm -hmm. my god I, I, you know if if i took offense to everything somebody said to me or about me now, in the text medium, it's it's a little different because sometimes you can't tell the jokes, which is why I do even I don't do it in professional emails, but I will put like little emojis and so forth in there, so you know that I'm that I'm I'm joking or I'm trying to be good natured about it, you know, you know, well, whatever. That, that, that's quite literally the reason why emojis exist, right? To convey emotional context, mm -hmm. right? Just wait, he's coming. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is I. I 
Okay, Baron, you and I have had a conversation pretty much about the individual that we're talking about here. Did that go, did that go nutty? No. We just kind of we just kind of bounced something back and forth and so forth. And you know, I kind of made a joke like, well, <laughs> guess it's my turn now, you know, whatever. But I wasn't like, oh, this you know, just all spouting out stuff, saliva going everywhere, so on and so forth. You know, now why would I do that on YouTube? Because that keeps you here one second longer <laughs> until you're like, okay, you know what? You're weird. I'm out. You know? Yeah. Because that, that, that would be me like coming in here and saying, Earth Dawn is the worst thing ever. Only three year olds can play it. Blah. You know. See, that's what happens. Oh. <laughs> but no, no. So, no but serious. So, uh, in all seriousness, yes. That That is, you know, the same type of thing that we, you know, that we're talking about, you know, being able to, we, we are content creators are, are the, a lot of times you can be straight laced and try to do, you know, the, you know, try to be the next Walter Cronkite on YouTube, if you want, mm -hmm. so to speak. And there is but, an audience for it. I can tell you for us without cutting you off too much here. Garthon does not like my ranting. That's why you don't see me and Garth on a lot. There's also some time things and so forth. He really doesn't like my ranting, doesn't like my cussing and so forth. So he has he has he is something else that he would rather watch. He doesn't watch videos like that. So there well, is an I, audience for that. I, another thing yeah. is that I remember from the old Legion of Myth uh, weekly live stream that Garthon's like, if I hate a comic book, I don't want to talk about it on stream. Yeah, that's why his average was four. Yes. Four star rating for for comic books, but go, but go on, Baron. Sorry, uh, but anyway, but as content creators, and this is anyone who's on Twitch, YouTube, whatever platform, you know, we are the you know we are here as as Max has said, entertainers. We want to be able to push that envelope a little bit. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to you know elicit that emotion back from you from when you're watching it to have you make a comment you may love it you may hate it you know it the the long and the short of it we want you to watch and just like comedy not every yeah. entertainer is for every person i'll tell you right now i know people like markiplier or whatever the hell his name uh, yeah i think that's his name i don't i don't know if he's still there streaming but but he's one of the bigger ones a lot of the the rage now it's funny but don't you rage it's it's different. It's the people that every second of the video game that they're playing. Oh my god, guys! Did you see that? We're doing. Oh my god, guys! It's, it's, uh, guys, did you? See? Okay, geez. I, Viva La Dirt League actually made made fun of that kind of uh, uh, commentary. I don't like watching people like that. I watched people. I, I don't watch any real streams like this anymore. But I watch people like Quill Eighteen because even though politically he got weird. Um, I tend to like his first of all, he played the guy types of games that I played, but his commentary and it was interesting enough. He was talking about the gameplay, but he knew how to keep an audience. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think who other big streamers I watch. I can't think of them because I don't watch too many of them. I, of course, watch Baron G Rock. Watch him stream. What do you mean? No, don't watch <laughs> you stream. Are you a bad streamer? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I like people that have energy in the games but aren't screamy all the time. So if, hopefully that makes sense. It's okay to be screamy when something exciting happens, but don't turn the dull thing. And I also don't like the whole loot box thing. Guys, are you ready? Are you ready for the loot box, guys? We're going to do this. We're going to get the spin. It's like, oh my God, just push the fucking button already. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, but, but other people do like that. Well, 
I hate to be anticlimactic, but I'm about to catch some wife rage. So nope. uh, you're, it, you're good. It's dinner time. Thank so, you uh, very much for your no. for your assistance on this live stream. Um, yeah. Your descript the description for your uh, uh, YouTube channel is in the uh, sorry the link to your YouTube channel is in the description below. Everybody thank check you it very out. Much, uh, and thank you. Good seeing everybody. Have a great uh, rest of your weekend. And uh, as always, I look forward to seeing you on the gaming screen sometime soon. Uh, running my game tomorrow night at uh, on uh, Monday night from 7.30 to 10.30-ish. And then uh, I, I'm i like one recap behind. Yes. Yes, the <laughs> caught wife aggro. That's it. There's, there's no aggro worse than that. <laughs> so, uh, yes, everyone have a great night. Have a good night. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Just the three of us. I, I don't know. Mother-in-law aggro can be pretty bad, too. Mm. Not for me, because my mother-in-law lives in Japan, and we don't speak the same language. <laughs> <laughs> and and all wife. of it gets lost in translation. No, no. What, what, what it means is that all of it goes to Noro, and then Noro has to explain it to me. She Max. doubles up on it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, there she is right there. <laughs> Yeah, don't do get back in the kitchen, woman. <laughs> wow, and she even says, "No, <laughs> where were we?" No, uh, I think uh, Baron, you, unless you already made it, you you kind of made the point, uh, you know, about the entertainers. And I don't want to like beat the dead horse, but there is something important about that. If you're only looking for factual, I only want the tutorial. Because let's be fair, even up to maybe like a year ago, you could not could. People on YouTube only wanted, especially in my and my circles, my environment, they only wanted the 10 minute video that just give me the facts. I still have friends like that. They won't watch my streams, even though they like me, because they don't want to watch a two hour long, three hour, seven hour long live stream. They just want step by step facts. I only watch YouTube videos for facts. If I want to watch live streams, I use Twitch because, you know, again, that line still is there. It hasn't been fully blurred. Uh, and, and I get that if that's what you're looking for. And on occasion, that's what I'm looking for. If I'm looking for a how to and how to do something. Yes, I want that stream. But what I prefer live streams. I love watching James Elcove. I like watching Bruce Lombardo. I like watching DM Bloodworth. I like watching you know Aaron the Pedantic when he does his live streams. I know there's a lot of heartburn with Aaron, but you know what? I still think I like watching his live streams because he's talking about the hobby and the information that, that I like here, even if I don't always agree with him. The, 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 the point being is we all watch for different reasons. My channel isn't always going to be for you. It will always be for Baron G-Rock because he damn will put a beef but so so I'm assuming that's kind of what you're saying. If you want to piggyback on that more, yeah, I mean, yeah, the in you know it, it's it's about the audience. You know, the people who come and watch you may not enjoy you know my, when I'm doing my Twitch gaming streams, they may not enjoy that because Those that's not bad people that they, that, that they enjoy. You know, and it, to to the same fact, they may not enjoy you know. Your guys' Thursday night game, sure. you know, you know, bridge commander streams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's but they may really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it, it's you, you're not going to please everybody, and if you try to please everybody, you're not going to please right. anybody. So I mean, look and, at Mark Hawkman. Mark Hawkman makes videos as well, and I've actually commented on some of his videos, but they're not for me. He plays games that that I don't play, and he he I, he I, does I, it in a manner that's not for me. But that doesn't mean he makes bad videos. I, I, I've been known to do things like say, look at a uh, building in the game Seven Days to Die because well, okay, it's a kind of like Minecraft the zombie horror survival game, and the, all all of the buildings that are pre-made buildings in the game were designed by the game developers, 
as more like mini dungeons than like actual like proper homes. So I, I look at them, it's like, okay, so he, here's what makes sense for a real house. And here's something that doesn't. Like, for example, one of them, if you pay close attention to the uh, way it's actually put together, there are certain rooms in it that if you were to like fix it so that it, it isn't in a broken state, don't have doors. <laughs> because that's like a whole like gameism thing. And, you know, I've actually... I didn't get much uh, views on those because yeah, I don't know. I probably didn't advertise them right or something, but yeah. I'm writing a note down. I think it was Mac. Yeah, I'm going to put this back on the screen. This is something I want to do much more of because mm. I think this is an absolutely wonderful video type. Now, a lot of people would be mm. like, well, your streams are not conducive to that. You're right. I've been doing a page through of Twilight 2000. Why? Because I can sit here and to be fair, I, this might sound weird. I'm not trying to sound corny. Uh, we'll see if Baron agrees with me on this one. But I like to sit here and chat with chat. Like it's not, you know, you know, another comment that was made, Max thinks it's all about him. Well, yeah, it's all about me. It's my fucking stream. Get over it. <laughs> you know, but the, the thing is, I like to chat. I, I like to hear, oh, uh, was it Violent Souls, everything or Mr. You know what? I, I should probably stop throwing out names out there if I'm going to be wrong because I don't want to give, get somebody angry at me. Correct information. Well, no, I also don't want to act like I, I ignore people or whatever. Like, how oh, did you not know it was me? But uh, when I was getting corrected in the twilight 2000 stuff, like, Oh max, it's, it's this, it's that, or even the forbidden lands thing, because I have run forbidden lands. I wrote a module forbidden lands. I, but I've forgotten some of the stuff and I was getting corrections. On I like it because they correct me in a non-hostile way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And no, there, there is no excuse. Well, that's just cause you can't take adult language. No, there's no excuse for it. If you're ranting about an idea, if you're going off on, you know, whatever, you don't like the grognards in the game or you don't like the SJWs in the game, you don't like the combat wheelchair, or you think that uh, everybody who plays an orc is racist, fine. Go off on it. Do your thing. I don't have a problem with that. But when you're trying to, rem uh, to help somebody, like, no, 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 no. Uh, it's actually not a D6. It's, it's 2D10. That's all you have to say. Well, also, as uh, someone uh, explained to me many years ago, if you are trying to explain something to someone and not actually there just to rant, cussing someone out distracts them from the fact. Or, or even outside of cussing, just insulting somebody. Well, apparently, you know, that backhand, like, well, apparently you didn't do your research on this one. That yeah, is, that's, that's completely. That's, yeah, that's just puts them out of the conversation <laughs> starts laughing he knows what i'm talking about no uh, i'm laughing at crafty's uh <laughs> well i wrote it wrong because he actually he ran it for his daughters and solved it a completely different way i was like well that's not the play test i was looking for but that's awesome though he took they found a unique way of getting through it and, and handling another way hey by the way for everybody out there this is a baron i always put two r's in your damn name i gotta stop doing that Aaron G Rock's YouTube page. Go ahead, and I don't have your Twitch one up, and you're not getting Twitch to deal with it. If you want to put your Twitch link into into the private chat, I'll, I'll copy and paste it out there for you, though. Um, but uh, you can follow uh, and subscribe to a Baron G Rock. We'll get the uh, the Twitch one out there uh, in a moment. Uh, Mar Hawkman, are you actively making comment for uh, content for your ch uh, channel? Uh, uh, I, I've been. Is uh, it worth me to put your link out there now? You could. I mean, I I have actually been, uh, put some several things up there recently. Okay, and let me get yours as well. 
Oh, you have a you have a long name. The the the, uh, the thing I, I was actually getting on here to talk about was something that you you brought up very very early in this stream. Okay, go ahead. Which technically is section one thing I think. Uh, layered, layered defenses in uh in games in general. There's in Star Trek Online they actually have like I think like theoretically like four different defense layers uh, for characters and. Part of the reason why this becomes interesting in games, and because it's not the only game I've seen that has layered defenses like that, is because the way that enemies attack you don't necessarily hit all three layers or four layers or however many your game has. And, and that's part of what makes that interesting for those games. And I'm not 100% sure how I'd apply to tabletop RPGs, but it's like with the systems that have like armor systems where the armor has HP that depletes when it gets hit. Yeah. No, no, there, there are a lot of games that, that and, do stuff like that, but, but games like that might have effects that, you know, bypass armor completely. I'm, I'm sorry. I missed some of the chat here. Um, as I'm trying to get these guys links because you know, they deserve it. Uh, is there anything in chat that if anybody wants to, I'm going to put out one more link. I know I've been putting out a lot of links, but I'm going to put out one more. I'm going to, I'm going to do a last call right now. Last call for alcohol. But but anyway, that what I was getting at with that was that, that that's what why you have a reason to have multiple pools of that is because the game system cares about all of those different uh, pools of hit points or shield points or whatever your game is calling them. Like, uh, yeah. I, I vaguely recall some game. I don't remember which one. I don't even remember if it was a TTRPG or a computer game where there was a magic spell that basically it, it would create a, a force field bubble around someone that would absorb a certain amount of uh, damage. Uh, and of course, there were certain things where force field bubbles don't work on them. <laughs> well, I mean, again, a lot of games have that. You don't want anybody to be invulnerable. But, usually that's the theme of it so even like like battle lords where it's like okay uh was it the flux shields if i remember if i'm getting the name right uh the flux shields stop almost everything but there is a type of weapon that is specifically designed to go through the flux shield it's just really mm -hmm. expensive you know there, there's stuff like that in in my game i'm i'm in the sci-fi version of it i'm making it very simple shield stop energy armor stops uh armor stops physical and I'm just making it that simple. Because, so it makes you think about, do I want to power the shields or do I want to strengthen my armor? And a lot of like computer games do things like that because I, I and, like and the simplicity of, of it. And, and that's a, a thing that um, will uh, differentiate character classes from each other. So character classes aren't uniformly good at everything. Right. And But I mean, to me, it doesn't mean you can't have some capability in all of it. But as far as... Earth on, uh, and even palladium to some degree, if you want to think of it that way, uh, you have an armor. So let's say I'm hiding behind a door. Well, you have to get through the door's armor rating and SDC before you can get to me. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of games out there that do things like that. So there are systems for it. It just depends on what fits with the mechanics of the system. Mm -hmm. So, uh, all right, I put, the, I put the link out there for the last call for alcohol on this one. I'll give about another minute here. Is there anything, Baron G-Rock, from segment one or segment two that uh, that you want to expand upon or that, uh, that uh, I didn't give you time to make uh, your uh, your peace with? Let's see. Do we have another seven hours? Uh, <laughs> I, I do. I don't know if you do. No, I don't care. No, no, uh, no. Basically, one of the big parts of coming in here was just, you know, 
because you know typing out a comment you know for dm bloodworth for dm bloodworth is one thing but actually being able to say it you know proverbially face to face even though you know over the internet but still face to face you know i feel that is means a lot more so that that was mostly why i decided to come in uh, usually, usually i kind of hide hide from segment three here but uh, <laughs> that's fine but, but yeah uh but that's really all i had okay. you know uh i also want to say i had a lot of fun uh with, with a few less brain cells than i had uh on friday <laughs> and but uh yeah well, that, I, I knew it was going to go long. I wasn't sure how long. I, I thought it was going to be six hours. I really did. I didn't realize seven. Uh, but, you know, we had a lot to say. And, you know, there are there nine people in there. And to be fair, like Aaron didn't say much. He just kind of like, I got to go. Uh, <laughs> I always give him crap for that stuff. And, you know, there are a couple others that were a little quiet in there. But I think everybody said their pieces. And if not, well, you know what? I interrupt you. You're, you interrupt me. I don't care. Like, you know, the thing is, is we're all... I think we all got to say what we wanted to say. Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and bow out and let you have a great day, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Mark Hawkman, any final comments about uh, segment well, one or segment two today? Well, well, one of the games I, I've played is like Space Empires five has a ridiculously complex way of handling armor and shields because literally every single piece of armor and shield has its own set of strengths and weaknesses. But that's a core gameplay mechanic and a, a fundamental aspect of the combat strategy in that game. So that's why it's important for that game. Other sure. games might not care. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're playing an armor class type game like Dungeons and Dragons, you don't you probably don't need that depth. But if you're playing a game Earthon, that does actually have damage mitigation from armor. You have a physical defense that you attack, that you that's your target number. That's basically like your armor class in Dungeons and Dragons, but then you have the armor rating, which mitigates damage. So if you do 10 points of damage and you've got seven points of armor, that person only takes three points of damage. A, a force shield type system can help. Or you could just play the negation game. The force mm. shield stops all of this. That's why, like, like what I'm doing, that's that's kind of how I'm doing it. The force shield has 100 points, which, you know, nice easy numbers. When those 100 points are gone, then you have no protection from energy anymore. But until then, a shield stop energy, armor stops ballistics, and you know you have to pen it. You know that's why you want both types of weaponry, and you're going to want both types of armor. But if you try to, if you stack up only energy, well, you're going to be doing crap to the armor. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So. All right. I am. Yeah. I guess it's time to wrap this up. So I'm going to thank you once again for getting another punch on that punch card for, <laughs> for being here like every episode. And uh, I hope you have a good day, sir. Okay. See you later. And. There we go. All right. Well, I think that's the end of this stream. Um, I want to appreciate everybody for being here. It got a little, maybe a little rambly on the, uh, there's some points. I just wanted to be very clear and very, uh, I wanted to hit home a couple of those points in segment two quite a bit and say them more than once, just so they weren't just taken in passing. Uh, to, to reiterate segment two is, is real quickly is you don't, everything's contextual. Conversation is nuanced and contextual. Know your audience. Know the context in which it's given. If you're giving an academic lecture, that's different than telling a story. If you're, give, if you're telling a, a narrative story that can just revolve around the pictures and images that come through somebody's head, you don't have to be even close to accurate. Just get 
get that visual inside somebody's head. If you need some accuracy in order to make it work properly, then be as accurate as you need to be. If you want to be 100% completely to the micron accurate, that's, that's on you. You can do that. But that can also become very boring and people forget about it. So it's okay to be wrong. And just because you're not perfect doesn't mean you're wrong. To say that my wall is you know, 10 feet from me is no different than taking out the tape measure and saying it's actually four foot six inches from me because contextually it does not matter. So, all right. I am going to uh, go through proclivities here. This is when everybody leaves the stream because they don't want to see it. But, <laughs> oh, well, I've got to do it. God, do me my, my advertisements. Um, but I want to remind everybody about, uh, I can take that off the stream. First of all, I didn't put that subscribe banner up enough. Oh, well, I'll put it up right now just because I can. Subscribe! Like and share. Get, the, get those likes and shares so the sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. I want to, first of all, thank everybody who donated their hard-earned money. Yes, there were, some, there were some weirdos that actually donated their hard-earned money to the show. Thank you very much for the cheers, for the super chats. Get the followers. I'm trying to use the locals a little more. I think I'm starting to succeed on that. Eh, it's not great content yet, but we're we're getting there. I, I'm, I'm again social media. I'm already seeing that number drop. It's dropped by one third. <laughs> you can donate on Streamlabs or by PayPal. We appreciate all of the incomes. It helps us. You get the those gift cards out, so maybe you can win a gift card. It's possible or a book, hardcover book. We'll talk about that in a second. I want to thank all the followers and subscribers. A lot of good chat today. I do appreciate that. Again, hey, look, I'm not going to put everything that people say up on the screen. I'm going to do the stuff that I think is interesting and in context of the conversation. Or if I'm just completely mistaking that, th thinking you were talking to me when you're actually talking to somebody else, eh, it can happen. But uh, if you really want your chat up on the screen, you can go ahead and send a super chat. I guarantee you I will put them on the screen because, you know, that's the appropriate thing to do. But I do try to get that stuff up there because your conversation is interesting and I do like what you guys have to say about stuff. I really do. I I'm serious. I, 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 can't, I feel weird when I say it because it seems pandering, but I, I, if there was nobody watching, I wouldn't stream. But you guys in the, in the chat, you make it fun. Whether I'm doing this, doing Twilight 2000, you know, read through, whether I'm screaming about <laughs> something somewhere, whatever. I, I do appreciate uh, what you guys type in a chat. And there's our 3,000 subscriber giveaway. Hurry up and help us get to 3,000 subs so I can give these books away. I want to give them away. And, well, Crafty's giving one of them away. Thank you, Matt Crafty, Matt Craft. Crafty's giving away the Conan book. I'm giving away the other four books, and we will have at least one gift card. At least one so far uh for the giveaway as well again i cannot ship this stuff to international people i can i can only ship it to american addresses which includes apo fpo uh but uh, that's why we're going to do the gift card thing for uh for folks maybe like a, a drive-through rpg gift card or something i don't know uh something where you can get rpg books we're going to do that and there's that and those are the links Lots of good conversation happening on our Discord. I appreciate everybody that comes by there and posts their thoughts, opinions. Been actually selling a, a few items. I mean, again, I, I got $15 worth of sales. <laughs> I think I sold like 30 items, but got $15 worth of sales. Um, Redbubble doesn't give me a lot, but that's okay. I just like the stuff that's on there. So hopefully you do as well, and you buy a shirt or a mask or uh, whatever. 30 designs on there. I'm only showing five below, but there are 30 designs. Some are not for the kids or any self-respecting adult. 
And there you go. I don't know what's going on with Gatekeepers this week. I think I'm supposed to host it. I don't know. I think I got voluntold into hosting it. We'll find out. Uh, I'm going to have to clarify that a little more. And there you go. That's it. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm talking about today. Boop. My final words of wisdom are, I think I've already said them. And since everybody's gone anyway, I'll just make it quick. So four hours, just four hours, a little talk that I want to have. Again, watch the channels you like. If you don't like what somebody has to say, it's okay to make a comment. Tell the person why you don't like what that person has to say. But if you're just going to be obstinate about it, it's not obstinate. If you're just going to be a jackass about it, if you think, no, 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 uh, I want to say this a little better. If you think your intent is to help or clarify, but you're being an asshole about it, you're not helping or clarifying anything because people are just going to ignore you. Yes, orcs li orc lives matter. They do. Don't kill your... Have you hugged your zombie today? Zombies are people too. Thank you, Chris. I do appreciate it. I appreciate all the commentary that you had in there. I think I put a lot of viewers up on the screen today. Uh, but if, if you don't like it, just move on. Like or dislike the video. Or don't. Whatever. I never did get to talk about me being a bully. Maybe I'll save that for some other time. But apparently there's somebody out there. Uh, I'll post it on my Discord. Even though I think it already is. Who, who apparently the person is. I haven't watched any of them. I, I just don't care. <laughs> if you think I'm a bully. Uh, that's fine. If Again, I, I will have somebody uh, watch Nick Riccada. Nick Riccada, uh, Riccada Law uh, channel. He explains multiple times what the definition of threat is. If you don't accept his definition, well, he's a freaking lawyer. You can go fuck off. Uh, the definition of threat is not what necessarily you think it is. Just because I say, I hope you die in a fire, that is not a threat. <laughs> it's very hyperbolic. Uh, and uh, with that, I think I'm going to hit the music here. And everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you.